Have you heard about the guys over at Chinook Seedery? They are the only sunflower seed company that is taking the time to connect with college athletes and trying to help them build their brand. They have eight flavors from mild to wild with way less salt and no sandpaper tone. So check them out today over at ChinookSeedery.com. Hitting all night long, just like me on the black and white ivory, getting six on the TV. Yo, what is up, everybody? It's Wednesday night, and we are back again with the In All Defense podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined as always by my co host, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Towers. Boys, we got a full house tonight. We're back. The gang is all here, and we got a good one. We got episode 26 coming at you titled Frogball because we got TCU Horn Frog baseball star Trey Richardson joining us. And he's got a great story. And I want to give him all the time to tell his story. So let's get right to it. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week. Our man, TCU baseball star Trey Richardson. Trey, my man, appreciate you coming on. We're blessed to have you. How are you tonight? I'm doing good, man. Uh, I just finished my last class of the day. Uh, we had practice earlier today, so it's nice to be back into the house right now, kind of cooling, and, you know, I get to have this conversation with y'all, so that's that's a plus. It's definitely a plus, but, uh, yeah, we're doing good, though. We're doing good. That's good, man. That's good. So, listen, man, we're going to start it off with just some icebreakers, some easy questions to get the conversation flowing. What's your favorite song right now? Ooh, favorite song right now. I got to go to my music app for that one. Yo, yo, go ahead. Uh, this, is, this is live and on video. They going to get it. All right. How's the cookie made? I got a, I think right now, right now it's a mix. I'm kind of, I'm kind of a guy that likes all sorts of music. So, you know, I got my, I got my hip hop playlist, obviously. I got my 90s rap, uh, gospel, uh i got the country music but right now i'm kind of rolling with the word is yours to take uh featuring little baby okay okay Ray, Rady, Rady, we gotta know what the night what's your favorite 90s rap song that's what i want to know oh favorite 90s rap song i gotta go with uh i actually had it for uh, my walk-up song for the last two three years ever since i've been in school actually um, you know how we do it by Ice Cube. I just changed. I just changed it to Girls by Nelly. Okay. You know how we do it by Ice Cube. That uh, that's that song gets me every time. There's a also a banger. Joke. There's a running inside joke to Ice Cube's my daddy. So Randy and me appreciate that. That's there we go. There we go. Joke, hidden, so. hidden right off the bar, right not right <laughs> off the box. There we go. Already. So listen, man. Moving into the next question. What is your favorite baseball movie of all time? Favorite baseball movie of all time. Um. Hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about this. I've got a I've got a handful of one. I'm real, real uh real big fan of uh uh what's the one? Is it Rookie of the Year? Is oh, that the yes. one where the kids on the Cubs? Yeah. yeah. Rookie yeah, of the Year absolutely. is a big one. Uh you know, fun fact, I actually had never watched uh what's the movie? See, I still don't even know. What's the movie that Field of Dreams is like based off of? Field of Dreams. 
This the movie's called Field of Dreams. Okay. Yeah, yeah, See, yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, I, I, I had never I, seen the movie. I would I oh, would man. judge you, but you said rookie of the year, and we haven't got that answer yet. And we all love that movie. So we're we're gonna just let that slide. Yeah, I was about year, to say rookie of the year is kind of it's between rookie of the year, angels in the outfield, but okay. uh field of dreams. I just seen it as soon as they had played the field of dreams game. And um I was not as impressed as uh, everybody says it is. I wasn't you know, I wasn't as into it. I'm kind of with you on that, man. I'm kind of with you. Good movie, yeah, I'm but just, like, just not a fan of the slow movies like that. You know, yeah. I, I want some. You know, I want like you know, fieldage or uh, you know, rookie of the year. You, you know, want some like feel that. good, man. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know, but yeah, definitely rookie of the year. So speaking of feeling good, man, what's your favorite athlete, either growing up or even right now? Favorite athlete growing up, honestly, I. See, that's a hard question because that's so interchangeable for me. Like, you know, when I was younger, I really looked up to, like, Michael Bourne. He's from Houston, and I'm from Houston, so I really looked up to Michael Bourne. Um, and then, you know, he's done out of the league and stuff. And then the next one was Andrew McCutcheon. And actually, like, when I was 12, you know, when you're younger, you just try to imitate people's stances. When oh, yeah. I was 12, I tried to imitate Andrew McCutcheon's stance as best as I possibly could, and you know, I don't mean to flex or anything, but I hit the most home runs I've ever hit in the season. So, you know, there we, we got Humble that brag. Going. But, uh, nah, right now, uh, it's probably Mookie Betts. Uh, Mookie Betts. Just, I mean, it's more so just as, like, you know, that's kind of like, you know, him being 5'9", I'm 5'9", you know, and him being able to do what he does at that level and be able to do it night in and night out. I mean, that's, that's really cool to see, especially for someone like me, because it's like, okay, if he's doing it at that size, I mean, why can I do it? So definitely. Fun Mookie fact Betts. about Mookie Betts. Yeah. He is from Nashville, Tennessee. It was a Tennessee baseball commit before yeah. a lot of people knew that yeah. you know really about Tennessee baseball. It kind of came on the map lately. But yeah. obviously Mookie said, you know what? I'm gonna go get this bag. Yeah, it's it's kind of worked out for him too. So I, I can't I, I can't say. knock on that. Yeah, can't knock was, on that. No, nah, man. So how about the NBA? You watch NBA? I do watch the NBA. Real big oh, Rockets man. fan. Okay, well, no, we're not gonna talk about the Rockets right now. But yeah, yeah. who <laughs> who you got winning it all this year? Oh, you know, I just talked about that with somebody today, and I I want the I want the Sixers to do it. I'm a big LeBron fan too, but I just realistically I can't sit up here and say the Lakers will win. Like, I mean, they almost lost the playing game last night. So Trey, they ain't even got the first round. You see this over here, grit and grind, baby, Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, all, exactly. we all three from yeah. Memphis. It ain't happening. Those are I was gonna say those are the villains of the NBA right now. <laughs> and that's how we like it, baby. We don't. Hey, we don't want nobody on our side. Us against nah, the world. I got you. I got you. But um, no, nah, I gotta go with the Sixers. I I just think the Sixers, like, if if they can keep, you know, you know, they gotta get past the Bucks. That's that's the one thing. Like, you know, they're gonna face the Bucks. The deeper they go, the Bucks are a really good team. But I got to say, I can't see anybody in the West win it this year. Yo, let me let me let me drop a little fact on y'all that I heard today. A lot of people, you know, Zion Williamson, everybody's aware of Zion Williamson and how, you know, injury prone is always the word said to him, Trey, right? Did you yeah. know that Zion Williamson has played 114 games in his first, what, four or five seasons? Yeah. Joel Embiid only played 96 games his first five seasons. Y'all know that? I, well, I mean, now that you trust say it. the I'm, process. Yeah. That trust the process. So, for all the people that just say, like, oh, Zion's a bust, Zion's a bust, look, man. You just got to be patient with a dude like that, man. That's all. It's, it's tough when you pick a guy number one, Randy, to be patient. Let's yeah, call it. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Joel, yeah, hey, I, I got to go with him on that one. I feel you, but I'm just saying that was a stat that I heard 
He's played in almost 20 more games than Joel Embiid at the same if, point in their career. If Ja wasn't producing the way he is now, Randy, you'd be pissed. Well, Josh produced a lot of things. Well, anyways. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, it's that's, it's that's messed up that you called Zion a bust. He's dealing with – oh, bust. You said he's a bust. Oh, oh man. Oh, this oh, man oh, making weight jokes. Oh, oh, man. There, <laughs> we there we go. Trey, let there me bring go. this back to you for the last question. Those black unis y'all had on last night, bro. Oh. Did those feel as good as they looked? Oh, my God. So, you know what's crazy is uh, – our uh, our head coach actually word on the street. I mean, you know, I just got here too, but word on the street is our head coach doesn't didn't like the the black jerseys. He oh, just man. wasn't a fan of them. And uh, so we're sitting around. I want to say it was Monday. We're sitting around, and our uh, our equipment manager sends out a you know a quick text to the whole team. He's, hey, you know, this is saying we got we're wearing the black jerseys tomorrow. We got the black belts. We got the black socks. Like, let's go. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's no way. And putting them on, I like they they are the best feeling and looking uniforms that I've ever worn in my entire life. And I think I've worn some pretty sick uniforms in my day. Yeah. And those are the best feeling and the best looking uniforms ever worn in my life. Yeah, I like tag those. my boy, I tag my boy who always posts the u- uniform of the weekend. Obviously it was yeah. a week game, and I tag him, he goes, hands down. They 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 take yeah. a week. It yeah, I was about to say those. I I will be really hurt. Let's just leave it like this. I will be really hurt if that's the last time we wear them this season. Like we got to wear them in a road series, wear them at home, and plus too, I think it's good fan engagement. I mean, you get you know a game at home, and we got you know Blackout Friday or something like that. Like you know that's a pretty cool. That's a pretty cool thing. I mean, football's done it, basketball's done it. Like why can't we do it? So, hey, dope. Yeah, they they look sweet. Trey, for sure. So let's get into this, man. I need to know, you, you talked about being from Houston. Is that your original hometown? So I was born in, um, I was born in Oklahoma City uh, and then moved down to Houston probably around two. So I remember, I mean, bits and pieces of being in Oklahoma, but uh, yeah, for the most part, I've been in Houston my entire life. Gotcha. So obviously you got three you got three brothers, right? No, I have a so I have a younger brother and I have a younger sister. Oh, okay. So, but you're the oldest of of the of the three. Oldest of three, yeah. So what what is that like growing up? Is there like fighting? Is there like fierce competition? Is mom and dad having to like step in and like hold folks back? Like what's going on in the house as a kid? The so you know the one thing I've learned, especially you know being in college and being around people who have come from you know households of three and four kids and stuff like, I, I love my parents to death, but from what I hear from these other households, like and especially like everybody my age, like first off, everybody my age is like the youngest kid in their like their whole house. Like I'm like I won't say an anomaly, but like there's very few people that are you know, the oldest kid in their house and born in 2001. Like, most part, everybody's parents are kind of cooling, you know, around that age. They're chilling out, and they're the last kid that they have, at least my age. Um, but, you know, growing up, uh, there there, there were there were a ton of fights. There were a ton of fights. But, I mean, I mean, you look back at it now, and it was all out of love. Because um, my brother, so I'm, me and him have a four-year gap. And then my sister, we have a 16-year gap. She's five years old. And so 
there's, I mean, you got, you're saying, you know, I've lived with my brother for as long as, you know, as long as whatever, until my sister was born and, you know, him being the baby of the house and me being the oldest one. I mean, all the responsibility, all the, you know, anytime he did something and I didn't like it or anytime I hit him, then it was always pick on some of your own size. So I'm like, and you know, it's crazy. So I'm like, okay, I'm still 13 years old. Like, dad, you're not my size. So like, that doesn't make sense, but you know, whatever. But it was always just, you know, just a uh, sibling rivalry. I mean, it was just all just a bunch of banter and stuff. And the older, you know, we've gotten, and especially being off in school. Now he's a junior in high school right now, but uh, being off in school, I mean, you you look back on it, you're like, man, like we we lived a really good childhood. We had a really really good childhood. But uh, yeah, there were to say there. Were, I mean, we shared a we shared a bedroom all the way up until I graduated high school. Uh, we shared a PlayStation console all the way up until I got to college. How many places? How many PlayStations y'all break? We, I mean, you not PlayStations, but controllers. Yeah. Controllers. We we ran through the controllers. There was. I remember there was one time actually, we were fighting over the controller because like, it was always like, okay, whoever gets on first is not getting off for the day. Like it was just no, and so he gets on, and uh, I actually think we just came. We had just come back from hitting with my dad. So we get back to the house, you know, of course, you know, the first thing, the last thing in our mind is taking a shower for whatever reason. Like we run straight upstairs. It's first person on the game and he grabs controller and I'm pissed off that he grabbed the controller. And so I'm guilt tripping him and gaslighting him about not taking a shower and stuff and caught him, you know, smelly and stuff. And we end up fighting over the controller, playing tug of war with it. And I yanked it really hard and it broke the joystick. And so we didn't have a joy. We didn't have a controller. We only had the one controller. We didn't have a controller for a good, like, three, four months. Like, that was my parents' way of being like, that's y'all's fault. Like, so we didn't have a controller for a good three or four months. But, uh, but yeah, it was – that. that's where a lot of the fights stemmed from was, you know, playing PlayStation and uh, being in the same room. You're always around each other. And then, of course, I mean, we – you know, he and I would always play – we'd always play baseball in the backyard and stuff. And, you know, me being the oldest dude, I'm, I'm – I'm trying to I'm trying to put him in the dirt like I, he, he's not beating me and so you know we'd have these games and stuff and it would be like uh you know I would be a team like the Astros I'm imitating every one of their stances and he's like the Cubs this is back in like 2015 2016 so we're rem- we're like memorizing like the whole lineup and stuff going up to hit and uh like looking back it was such a fun time but man them games used to get they were some gritty games <laughs> I bet they were some gritty games I bet. So obviously video game, you know, you guys bringing you guys either closer or further apart, but when does baseball creep into the picture? At, at what age do you start playing baseball? So I had, uh, so my dad actually, he had played, he played two years at uh, OU um, in Oklahoma. And uh, that, uh, when we came down, we moved to Houston, I think I was about four I can't remember what age I was, but I remember specifically he used to take me to this park that was right by where we were staying and we would just go play catch. That's all we would do. We would go play catch and we would hit, you know, the little vinyl baseballs or you know, the squishy ones. We would go play catch, hit with the baseballs. And then I believe around five is whenever I played, you know, my first bit of organized baseball. It was like little YMCA league. And I know for a fact, I remember too, my first, uh, my first ever hit, first ever hit was an inside the park home run. And so that was like a pretty big deal to me. 
But of course, you know, I've got my younger brother and at the time he's, you know, I'm five. So he would have been one at the time. He's a little baby. And so he's taking all the attention. My mom had a camcorder at the game and she's videotaping everything up until I make contact. As soon as I make contact, she put the camcorder on my brother and it's filming whatever, whatever he's doing in the dirt. Like, I don't know what he's doing in the dirt. And he turned around. She turned around and filmed him while he was doing something in the dirt. And so I just always like guilt trip her, hold that over her head. But uh but yeah, I started playing, uh started playing when I was about five. Um, and then, you know, up until then, I don't think I went into travel ball until I was like nine years old. And ever since then, I mean, it's just been it's it's been un unbelievable, unbelievable. And it's you know, especially being in college and you know, with the aspirations to go on the pro ball and stuff, like it's it's just a start at this point, but was baseball the only sport you played? No, I played – so that was the only sport that I played up until, I would say, fifth grade. In fifth grade, I played football. Um, and then sixth grade, they didn't have football for sixth grade when I went to middle school. And then seventh and eighth, I played on the football team, uh, seventh and eighth grade year. And then whenever we went to high school, I played my freshman and sophomore year. Um, and uh, I got called up to varsity my freshman year. And then played, you know, varsity wide receiver freshman sophomore year. And I remember specifically, um, we were playing North Shore. North Shore was in our district. I don't know if y'all have heard of North Shore High School, but they're they're pretty freaking good at football. And they were in our district. And uh, one of the linebackers, Calevon Chase, on he went to LSU, uh, got drafted to the Jaguars. Well, I'm going in on a, uh, I'm running a a, a dig route. And I break out of my route. I'm going in. I remember as soon as I caught the ball, I turned to try to cut up the field. And he's just right in my face. And he hit me probably the hardest I've ever been hit, like, in my entire – like, it felt like a, a car accident. And I get up, my whole world is, like, just horizontal. Like, I didn't know what was going on. I was confused. My helmet was chipped and everything. And, like, I, I get up and I'm like, you know, this is, this is kind of unbelievable. Like, this dude's going to LSU for a reason. Like, I get it. Um, that's back to back right. episodes with huge name drops. Our our last last baseball guest talked about playing with DK Metcalf, and here you are talking about Chase on y'all. Hey, big boys. I mean, I was about to say it's 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 no joke. I'm guessing your last guest was from, from down south. Yeah, from uh Yanko, yeah. Louisiana. Uh but he was, yeah. he was from Miss Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah. So I mean there's just you know, there's just it's all so all sports, especially football and baseball. There's just nothing but talent down south, but that was like that was pretty that was pretty unbelievable and then um but yeah I played uh football basketball in middle school and then I ran track in middle school I was actually a uh, hurdler that was like my pride and joy but messed up my back so I was like I can't do that anymore but so you talked about playing playing all these sports and and you know you, you mentioned your the your your LSU guy knocking you out of football completely <laughs> um but what high school did you go to uh, I went to I went to Kingwood High School. It's about I want to say about thirty minutes north of downtown Houston. Uh, and we I mean we would play you know especially with us being six A and you know how Texas football is I mean it's pretty unbelievable. We would uh we always played we had a North Shore in our district um, school called Atascocita in our district um, and then it would always just be whenever the district was like reclassified. I think Summer Creek was another one and then. After that, it was always just like it would be us and it'd be like teams from like South Houston or, you know, something like that. But I mean, the talent in football and baseball was it was pretty unbelievable. I mean, we had uh, for one, uh, 
one of my teammates, he's actually uh, in double-A for the Cardinals right now, Mason Wynn. Uh, he was one of my high school he's teammates. Pretty good. Yeah, he's he's pretty legit. I I don't I don't want to be that guy too, but I mean, slight flex. I played shortstop, so I started shortstop every single game. So that's my claim to fame is I played shortstop over Mason Wynn. But uh, that's a good one. Yeah, we uh, what'd you say? I said that's a good one. He's hey, one yeah, of the they, top prospects for the Cardinals. Yeah, there and there's go. nothing wrong with flex and Trey. Yeah, there yeah. we go. There we go. I just throw that one out there. That's why because we would always go to like uh these like prospect camps and stuff and. Everybody would hear that I'm from Kingwood, and they would know Mason's from Kingwood for sure. And they'd be like, "Oh, so uh, when uh when he's playing short, where do you play?" And I'd be like, uh, "I'm I'm a shortstop, everybody. I hate to break it to you, hate to hate to burst your bubbles." So where did he uh, play? Second base. He played he played second base, and he would pitch. I so bet that did, was a nasty middle growth. infield. Uh, one of the best I've ever played with. Like still to this day, he that dude was that dude was unbelievable. That dude was an unbelievable talent. But um, we um. So yeah, we 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 play like you know a bunch of schools up in like South Houston and stuff, and a lot of the people that we play in our district. I mean, they're off playing, you know, either professionally and whatever sport they played, or you know, I have a few dudes that are in the conference in Big Twelve with me right now. So that's pretty cool to see. Um, but yeah, I went to Kingwood High, so it's about thirty minutes north of Houston. So you you talk about Houston a lot. You seem like mm. you know you know Houston. Yeah. So I got a, I got a trivia question for you. Okay. Does this number ring a bell to you? 281-330-8004. Who? Yeah, Mike Jones. <laughs> Mike Jones. Yeah, Cle- I, clearly, I was, you may watch uh, one of Trey's uh, most recent hype videos. Mike Jones I was about is to say, the song. Still Tiffin's right in there. Still Tiffin's right that's, in there. Actually, that's the fun jam. fact, too. My uh, so my last year of playing football, sophomore year, um, our quarterback, his uncle was Paul Wall, and so he like, and that was around the time the Astros were, you know, they were in the World Series. Uh, I think it was yeah, it was twenty seventeen, and so that was you know around that time, and everybody was talking about playoff girls and stuff, and we were like, we had you know we're Kingwood High School, we don't play football, like we're not a football school, and so we had made it like two rounds, three rounds deep. And it was like a big deal. And so the like the running joke was like, if we make it all the way to state, we're getting playoff girls. And so Paul Wall, he he came to like two or three of our games and it was like pretty cool seeing him. But yeah, he uh his uh his our quarterback was his uh nephew. It's crazy. Man. Crazy. Houston's got it all. The only thing got they don't all. only thing they don't have is is good traffic. No, I mean, yeah. I was about to say man, being in Fort Worth. I've gotten to the point where I kind of thank Houston for it because it's allowed me to have a little bit of patience with DFW traffic because DFW traffic is no better than Houston traffic, like at all, at all. So let's let's get into the this high school and this baseball career, man. You were a three-time All-District shortstop. You were named first-team All-State after your junior season. You hit 421 with 30 RBIs, three home runs. You were runner-up in the Houston Jupiter qualifier. You competed with the Banditos scout team. Uh, you were a 2019 Perfect Game preseason underclass All-American. You know, at at what point, I mean, I think of you, like, when I hear those accolades and given where you're at now and your accomplishments, like, I think, like, you are 
you were born with this gift, but at what point do you realize like you have something special like that could take you to the next level? I would say probably midway through my freshman year of high school was when I started realizing like, you know, I could do something with this because, you know, I, I am, I'm blessed enough to come from, you know, a family of, you know, just people who were educated. Uh, both my parents went to college uh, my grandfather, he went to school, my grandmother went. So I have a, you know, I have a good amount of people in my family that were educated. Um, but none of them, you know, played sports like that. And, and my dad was really the only one that did. Um, and, you know, he was, he went to OU, he played at OU, or he didn't actually play, he was a walk-on. So he was on the rock, or he was like on the team, he dressed out, but he was more of like a bullpen catcher walk-on. He never really got to play. Um, so, you know, being able to be, you know, that, first in my family of, you know, this guy who, you know, freshman years, whenever I started talking to, you know, division one schools. And um, I think my first, my first ever visit was to Texas. And I was like, okay, this is, this is pretty legit. Like, you know, schools want me. And that was whenever, whenever I started, you know, hearing buzz about, you know, schools wanting me and schools wanting me to come on visits and stuff. That was when I was like, okay, you know, this is, this is something that I can do, you know, for, I can have a future in. And, you know, now as I've gotten older, uh, it's turned into something that I like that, you know, God forbid any sort of injury or anything that happens. I mean, it's something I will have a future in because of, you know, not because of the talent and accolades, but just because of, you know, the the mental fortitude of being able to go out there every single day and, you know, have the same mindset of let me just get one percent better. That's what you know, that's something that we preach here as a program is, you know, every day, just find a way to get one percent better. And so it was probably about freshman year. Um, I like I said, I went to Texas, visited them, um, and then I my next visit was to U of H down in Houston, um, and I committed a few days after. So I was actually committed to U of H um, up until my junior year of high school, and then I decommitted and you know committed to Baylor, and that's how I you know got my foot in through the door. But um, you know it was it was. High school was it was pretty special for me uh, because it, you know, one, it it was, you know, it was just a good time. It's high school. You know, everybody, you know, you either love high school, or you hate high school. And, you know, I really enjoyed my time. But then on top of it, it was like, OK, you know, once I got to high school, it was like, OK, I'm not competing with people in my area or people, you know, with the same area code as me. I'm competing with people all across the nation. And so that was something, you know, in my mindset that I had like quickly started to get on to because I mean there was if I'm competing with guys in my area I mean what's the point of even wanting to go to the next level I mean you gotta you know the next level you're you're competing against dudes from spanning all the way from freaking you know Hawaii to dudes all the way in Florida and so you know and that's not even to talk about the rest of the nation um and so that was that was something that was you know really stuck with me was you know just find a way to better yourself one by one percent every single day and understand who you're really going up against because you know at the end of the day i mean like i said before i mean this game can get taken away from you real easily but it is a child's game and you know you just gotta you gotta find a way to you know better yourself at it but i would say probably about freshman year of high school was whenever i really realized like i, I can do something with this so you you mentioned texas you mentioned you know houston and then baylor so why why Baylor? Why why is that where you decided you would start your your college career? Um so I had had well for one 
um, I just whenever so while I was committed to U of H, I, I was committed to them from freshman to junior year, and probably about sophomore years. Whenever everybody, a lot of people in my class started, you know, committing to these different schools and going to these different places and stuff. And you know, me being committed already my freshman year, I'm like, okay, this is cool. But like, I know for a fact I'm better than this guy, and this guy is going to the SEC, or this guy is going to the Big Twelve. And I was like, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I could, I could do a little bit more with my talent because, I mean, in hindsight, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But, you know, if I were to, you know, stay, stay committed to U of H, and you know, I'm playing my third year in the All American Athletic Conference, like, or American Athletic Conference, I'm like, I'm not really getting any better. I don't think I'm getting any better playing against, you know talent that nothing against their talent but you know i feel like i should be playing up against you know some of the most premier talent daniel got a memphis flag yeah, yeah, behind i was gonna you. say yeah. tr tread you lightly the, you do see the flag behind i do tread see lightly. i do see the flag <laughs> i do see that that's why that's why i kind of held myself up a little i was like you know there's nothing against it there's nothing against it but you know i just that was just always that was just always my thing and that was always the thing that i talked to with my dad and stuff was just like man, like, you know, there's no reason why, why I can't, you know, play at that level. And so um, I'd had a really good, uh, I had a really good relationship with one of the assistant coaches because he's also from Houston. Uh, his name's Mike Taylor. And he and I, we had a, a mutual friend. And that was kind of, you know, where the ball started rolling a little bit. And then um, I went to a showcase and uh, Coach Rod, he was, you know, at the time was the head coach at Baylor. He's now an assistant at Texas, but um, we uh, I went to a showcase, did what I did, whatever, and uh, I saw him there, and I was like, okay, like you know, that's a sign. And then uh, you know, just talking, you know, with my dad and stuff, and just praying it through, I was like, you know, I think I want to, I think I want to decommit, and I want to, you know, see whatever options I have. And as soon as I decommit, especially you know, playing on the Banditos, I mean, I get a ton of phone calls from you know Ray is calling me, and he's. Hey man, uh, I got this school lined up. I got this school lined up. Like the school wants to talk to you. And I'm like, you know, I, I just, I want to go, I want to go to Baylor. Like that was the school I wanted to go to. I was like, I want to go to Baylor. And then, uh, you know, I ended up going on the visit and that's, you know, that as soon as I saw the campus and, you know, the way that they operate around baseball and they were coming off of a year where they were just uh, in UCLA's regional in like, I think 2019. And so, I mean, they were, they were playing some pretty good baseball. I'd seen the stats and stuff. And I was like, you know, I want to go somewhere where, you know, I can get developed and uh, being an infielder, coach Rod was a middle infielder in uh, professional ball. And so going over there, it was just kind of like a no brainer. And uh, you know, it was, it the, for the time I was there, it was, it was, it was enjoyable. Like Waco was really good to me. Waco was really good to me. And uh, I really miss a lot of the people that were there. A lot of people that I met. Um, I mean, I'm happy to be where I'm at, where I am right now, obviously, but, uh, you know, I, I don't regret I don't regret ever going there for, you know, two and a half years. So, Randy, I think about what he said and it made me think back to the Christian Scott episode. How many of these guys have we told us that the difference started all with seeing the coach up in the stands versus that phone call or that text? When you when that coach comes out and watches, mm -hmm. it, it shows that they they really are invested. They want you. Yeah. So I, I don't know. My parents didn't even come watch me play. Dog. I don't know. <laughs> So, so I, I know a lot of coaches probably don't listen listen to our show, but I know I know the the players all come on here, and a lot of them keep saying the same thing. So, coaches need to take note. Quit doing the phone call and go watch. Hey, it's it's a it's a it's a big deal. It's definitely it's definitely something that pushes the needle because I mean you you know you you obviously know that it's something you want to do, 
but I mean, it's just, it's so, it, in freshman year of high school, it feels like it's so far away. And it feels like not only is it so far away, but like, you know, you're, you're not even really developed your own self. And so, you know, at least I wasn't fully developed my own self. So like, I'm looking at that and I'm like, these dudes are 200 pounds, you know, of just pure muscle playing at the next level. I'm this five, nine, 145 pound. I, I think at the time I was about 130 pounds. I'm like five, nine, 130 pounds playing high school baseball right now. Like, you know, I, I don't know if I could do that. And then, you know, obviously you see the coach and you see all that stuff come in. And it's like, you know, maybe I can do that because they see something in me that I don't see in myself. And so it's just all a part of the, you know, the, the development phase is, you know, you have, you have these, I just read something on Twitter the other day where it's like, uh, there was a question where it was like, you know, which one is more important. And it's like high school coach, uh, travel ball coach. And I can't remember the other one. And somebody's uh, comment really, you know, it really got to me. It was like, I believe they said, I believe that, you know, everybody plays a little bit of a role here and there with, you know, development and player. And I, I a hundred percent agree to it because I mean, obviously I've had, you know, my favorite coaches and I've had guys that, you know, I really look up to and I really trust, but then at the same time, you could flip it and you can look at the guys that you didn't really like too much. And, you know, they, they still, you know, made you to who you are today. So that was always my biggest thing was just, you know, seeing that and seeing that these coaches see something in me that I don't see in myself yet. That was, that was a pretty big deal for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the first question I usually ask, I mean, I think I got the answer to already. As I say, when you got to Baylor, were you nervous or excited? Because a lot of guys say they're nervous, but I just don't see nervousness in you. I feel like there was probably genuine excitement from the second you stepped on campus. Would I be right? So I had, uh, I had the glory of graduating high school early to enroll in the Baylor. And so I, I went up um, at the beginning of the spring, like January, I think it was like January 13th. That was whenever I like first moved my stuff in. And so, um, and then even then I didn't find out I was going to be able to graduate early until about November of that fall. And so I had two months really to get my, get my stuff together. And so, you know, if you, if you know anything about college baseball, you know, two months is not going to prepare you for a whole spring season, especially, you know, when you haven't, been around the guys in the fall. I mean, it wasn't like I lived right there and I could see what they were doing in the fall. I lived all the way. I lived three hours away from them. And so I I didn't even know, you know, really who was on the roster. I didn't know who was on the team. I met a few people on like my official visit, but it wasn't really, you know, at, even at the time, I didn't know I was going to graduate early. But on the flip side is you don't have to, you don't have to wait a year, man. You can get right into playing college. Exactly. Basketball, so exactly. Exactly. And so I got up there and uh, my first PCH is against this guy. His name is Jimmy Winston. Uh, he's actually one of my closest friends. And uh, he was – he he's old head now. He, he, he'll hate that I told him that, but he's an old head. And he uh, he came up, and we had him, and we had uh, one of my other best friends. His name's Andy Thomas. He was a catcher. And both of them, we were doing a live at-bats. And I go up for my first live at-bat, and I kid you not, this never happened to me before. Uh Jimmy threw a about a two seam, probably 90 mile an hour, two seam in the dirt, which, you know, coming from high school pitching, you don't see pitches that are doing this and this. Like you see nothing. But, I mean, even the balls have a little bit of ball drop. It's like 88 with a little bit of ball drop. So you can afford to have a, you know, a little loopy of a swing. But once you get to college, you better you better fix that stuff because not you're, you're going to be in trouble. So he threw a two seam like in the dirt or down. And like I went and swung at it. And I kid you not, the cap of my bat scraped up against the dirt. And I was like, that's never happened to me. Like, I, I couldn't, I didn't know, I didn't know what was happening. Like, I couldn't believe it. And uh, 
wait. Oh, okay, it's not muted. But um, I saw that happen, and I was like, man, this is this is unbelievable. And so that whole like first month leading into the season, it was like it went from being really really excited to being like, okay, I need to survive. Like that's it. I just need to survive. I need to make it. And unfortunately, uh, I didn't know this at the time. I ended up tearing uh, you know, something in my rotator cuff, uh, which didn't tear all the way through, so I didn't need surgery. But I ended up tearing something in my rotator cuff, and uh, I my first ever game. Um, or the first ever start I got, I was DH against Nebraska. It was like the Saturday, the second game of the season. It was on Saturday. And, uh, you know, I was really cool. My first hit was a triple, of course. Like, you know, I have a flair for the dramatic, I guess. Uh, and then the next day, I kind of – I think I went like two for three. And I was like, you know, this this, uh, this college thing, I'm going I'm to be able to do this college thing. And then proceeded to go about 0 for 11 with seven <laughs> strikeouts the very next weekend. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And then, uh, of course, you know, with me figuring out I got hurt and stuff, we come down to Minute Maid. I think we played uh, Missouri, LSU, and Arkansas that weekend. I didn't get to play. I was, you know, on the bench for that. And, you know, we went 3-0, but it was like it, – it was it was awesome as a teammate to be able to watch that and be able to sit there and see that. But as the player and the individual in me, like, I wanted to get on the field. And I was, I was really – I was really hurt that I wouldn't be able to get on the field, both mentally, obviously, and physically. But – um. Yeah, I end up getting hurt, uh, and then, you know, we go up to Cal Poly and come to find out, you know, COVID hits, and everything kind of just shut down. And, you know, I tell people all the time, that was a blessing in disguise for me because COVID, once that hit, I didn't need surgery on my arms, so it allowed me to go back home and just kind of rehab on my own. And so uh, that was, you know, and I got a taste of college baseball a little bit, especially during the season because – how many guys can say they experienced, you know, college baseball season in their first semester in college. And so I come back home and it was like, immediately I was like, okay, I need to, I need to hit the ground running this fall. Like I need to do anything and everything I can. Obviously, you know, once everything kind of opened up a little bit slowly with COVID, that was whenever I was able to start going and getting more work in. But um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was every, any emotion that you ever thought you could feel, I felt in about three and a half months. It was pretty unbelievable. Yeah, no doubt. Daniel, what is he? He's like the third or fourth guest who, you know, everybody thinks the negative of COVID, rightfully so. But I, I promise you, you're the third or fourth guy who said they benefited from it. Am I wrong, Daniel? Yeah. No, I mean, just having the opportunity to take a step back and know that you you eventually find out you're going to get that season back if you want it. Um, but take a step back, regroup, re you know, reassess and, and really just fine tune with some things. I guess really it's just like you, you go so hard for so long. It's mm-hmm. nice to be able to shift down the gear a little bit and kind yeah. of throttle down and, and really work on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, obviously you got that experience you talked about, which w- was vital. And so, Coming into your sophomore year, you know, all Big 12, honorable mention, academic, all Big 12, first team. So shout out to you for taking care, taking care of the academics. But uh, started all 51 games, 28 at second base and 23 at shortstop. Hit 308 mm-hmm. while tying the team lead, 16 doubles. Had 37 RBIs, hit three home runs, six triples, scored 46 runs, and a perfect six for six on stolen base attempts. Yeah. Um, so before we get into specific games within the season, like – Overall, man, you know, talking about you got that experience under your belt, that that first 
you know, third of a season, quarter season, whatever it was. Um, coming into that second year, did you feel like you met the expectations you laid out in front of yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was one of those things where it was like, you know, as soon as I got there, I actually didn't find out I was starting at shortstop until um, because we had we had had a uh, we had a transfer come in uh, from uh, Juco transfer. Uh, his name's Jack. Bennett. He was actually committed to uh, LSU before he got drafted over the summer. Um, but he came in and, um, you know, we didn't know who was starting at shortstop uh, up until the beginning of the season. And then, you know, I ended up finding out right before our first practice or right before our first game, it was like the practice right before uh, Coach Ron comes up to me. He goes, hey, man, you're, you're starting at short. And I was like, all right, like, let's let's get this game going. And, uh, you know, I, I think I batted fifth the first game. And the very next game, I was right there in the three spot. So you want to talk about having to, you know, put up or shut or put up and shut up as soon as the season starts. I mean, that was kind of my mentality. It was just. You know, I'm not going to go out there and try to do anything that I haven't done. I just wanted to go out there and just try to play the, the same game I played my whole life. And that was really, you know, what what got me. That was really the mindset of what got me, you know, really trying to perform right there was it's not like I'm trying to perform, you know, individually. I mean, yeah, baseball is an individual sport, but it's just as much as a team sport, too. And so my whole mentality was go out there and, you know, try to try to put on for my team for the most part. And. I mean, stats, I mean, they, they speak for themselves. I mean, I don't go out there and play for stats. I, I really don't even try to look at my stats until, you know, towards the end of the year just to, like, assess. But, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, as long as my team is, you know, got a, you know, one more run than the other team or whatever, I mean, that's that's everything I can do. And I know that, you know, the coaches trust me, and I think that the coaches trust me enough to put me in the spots that they put me in to go out there and perform. Yeah, no doubt. And so speaking of performing, you know, talking about helping your team, you, we brought up Daniel's Memphis flag bottom. You know, you decided you were going to go eight for 15 with six runs, three RBIs against Memphis, man. Why no mercy on the Tigers, bro? Hey, it is nothing personal. It's nothing personal. It feels if it, if personal. It makes you, if it makes you feel any better, the school that I'm wearing, the, the jersey I'm wearing right now, I tore it up against them last year. So <laughs> it, it's it's all it's all part of the business, man. It's all part of the business. No, I seen that and I was like, I got I gotta highlight what he did at Memphis. <laughs> but no, man, obviously you had huge games against Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, both on the road, like you know. Uh, we talk about the smile and, the, and, you, and this joy you have. Is is that why, like, it seems to be road environments don't bother you? Because, I mean, you're just, you're just happy out there to be playing the game you love? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest, too. I I thrive in hostile environments. Like, that's something I've always – I've always enjoyed being, you know, the 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 villain, in a sense. And How can you I be think, a, a villain being that happy, man? See, I think there's nothing crazier than a villain who is smiling and is happy because I think that pisses them off even more. <laughs> and I love, I love that. I love being, you know, making a player something. And I think I, I made a play last week, and we're playing Oak State. Uh, I made a play sliding to my knee last week and throwing it over, and like I couldn't help but not smile because I'm like, man, like you know, I'm. I'm him. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just like that, you know? And I think that's just the, I think that's the greatest thing to me is, you know, being able to be that guy, especially on the road and, you know, just being able to take it to the other team and there's nothing that the other team can do about it, but watch me smile. I think that is, you know, that's awesome to me. Well, but, what I think is great also, because you heard, because you heard Randy laugh. So many guys come on here and they don't want to like, 
pump themselves up. They want to be so humble. And like you hey. have the problem saying I'm him. And like that's refreshing. Hey, there's there's a difference between being cocky and there's a difference between having confidence. That's the way that's the way I look at it. No doubt. So, you know, going into the next year, you know, all Big 12, honorable mention again, academic, all Big 12 first team again, started 54 games at second base. So obviously you made the transition over to second base, uh, 297, uh, four home runs, 35 RBIs, led the club with 60 run score. But I got to see you live for the first time. Um, I happened to be at the Shriners Classic. Obviously, LSU fan went down there to okay. Minute Um, And, you know, what's it like, you know, Getting you talked about the year before, man, but getting to go down there, obviously play at a big league park and play against teams the caliber of Tennessee, LSU, and UCLA. I mean, you said you said you like hot. That's obviously a neutral side, but nonetheless, you said you like to kind of thrive. I mean, you're talking about playing big name schools in a big yeah. atmosphere. I mean, it was it was every it was every bit as advertised. I mean, you look and you know, unfortunately, we didn't make it to a regional that year, but. Looking at it, I mean, where we played, I mean, when we played LSU and when we played Tennessee, especially, I mean, it, it felt it was a regional environment. And how nasty was one... Chase, how nasty was Chase Burns? Is that isn't that who you went against, or did you? No, no he played. He pitched against Dole. Texas. We faced. It was Doe. Oh, you got Doe. Yeah. How nasty? Yeah, he, how nasty is it? He he's legit. He's he's legit. He he throws that thing is fuzzy, and he I think he got me to, <laughs> he got me to K up twice. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like, no, Rand, he, Rand, he, he's me, him. Me, yeah, yeah. Me, me and Randy two weeks ago, we went down to the box and watched Tennessee LSU because he's a Tennessee guy, and we watched Doe and Skeens go against each other. He's definitely yeah. That's 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 just a lot of fire. That's that's exactly what that sounds like. Nothing but just hard fastballs. Bro, Skeen was but, throwing like ninety nine point five in like the seventh inning. So <laughs> you know what's crazy with Skeens is I uh we had played them in the fall when he was at Air Force. We played uh we inter-squatted them last fall. Uh, while I was at Baylor and he went up and he threw the first uh he he started on the mound the first game and then DH the second game and um he ended up walking me my first at bat but I promise you I had no clue what any of his pitches <laughs> were doing like I think I fouled a ball off behind me and I didn't I still to this day don't know if it was a a slider or just a back I don't know I don't know what it was I just know it was hard and it was spinning and I fouled him off, and I think I got to like a three-two counts. Probably bat left my shoulder. Probably I think that one time in the foul ball, like he's that. And then Duke could get in the box and in cap a ball out of our yard, and we play in the windiest conference in the in the nation. And so you know, it's either blowing way hard in or it's blowing way hard out. And that day it was playing way hard in, and he in capped the ball off the top of the right center wall. And I'm like, this dude is, this dude's legit. This 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 dude's legit. So, so this so this shows about you, Trey. Obviously, we've had Skeens on the show, but I'm gonna ask you a question because you've seen him do both. Do Do you feel like us LSU fans are missing out by not getting to see him do both? Uh, I'm be honest. You know, with all the star power y'all got on offense, I don't think y'all really need him. Right now. Uh, honest, we'll take more. We'll take much. more. Somebody might slump. We might hey. need a pinch hit somewhere here and there. The TCU, the TCU baseball player in me is telling me to just leave him on the mound because <laughs> I don't want to see him get in that bat. But if he if he ever gets in that bat or if it ever comes down to him getting in that bat, I mean it. He's he's right up there with you know some of the best dudes in that order. He's he is a legit. Like he's a legit six tool player. He is unbelievable. Unbelievable. No doubt. So, you know, you talked about when you talk about picking Baylor over Houston because of the potential. 
You obviously transfer out of Baylor. Y'all missed postseason both first two years. Does that play any role in why you end up deciding to leave Baylor? Uh, I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? I said, so, you know, you talked about when you chose Baylor over Houston, it was about opportunity, about having the best opportunity for yourself. You know, when it comes to leaving Baylor to go to TCU, is that about, you know, y'all didn't make the postseason either year. Obviously, TCU's a, a team that's it's making big moves. Is that what plays into making a transfer like that? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially, you know, being, being where I, being where I've been the last, you know, two years prior to coming here and seeing, I mean, we played some of the best talent, you know, around the nation, around the, like, you know, the country really, in just terms of, you know, we played, you know, our, our handful of SEC teams, played our handful of, you know, big 12 teams, obviously, uh, played, you know, some Pac-12 teams and just seeing, you know, seeing the talent everywhere and, um, you know, you kind of you kind of know and understand, you know, who the premier programs are, especially being there for as long as you have. I mean, you know, with TCU, uh, for instance, they, uh, you know, I talked to the coaches during uh, while I was being recruited and, you know, they had had a down. He, uh, According to them, they had a pretty down year last year and, you know, they ended up making it to a regional while winning conference. I'm like, that's if that's a down year, that's, you know, I want to be a part of that standard. But. Uh, you know, it's just it, and it, there's there's multiple schools that are like that in nation. But, you know, I feel like, you know, just the way that I look at, you know, the landscape of college baseball, there's probably about eight teams, probably nine teams that can truly look their team, look themselves in the mirror and say that we can win a national championship. And, um, you know, the way that I looked at it, TCU was one of them because, you know, when I went into the portal, I mean, I was it was like as soon as I went into the portal, I think it was like six o'clock that night. Uh, you know, I found out our coach had gotten fired, uh, uh, or got, you know, let go or resigned, didn't get fired, he resigned and our whole staff was being clean slated. So I was like, okay, I'm probably not going to stay here. Um, and then, you know, I'd end up getting the alert that I was in the portal and at six o'clock and then I didn't get off the phone till about 11 o'clock that night, just talking to, you know, different schools, uh, getting DMs, uh, you know, just text me every, any, any sort of communication you could think of. I got that in about three days or so, but, you know, right off the bat, I knew I had a top, I knew I had a top three, you know, pick of schools. And so, um, and TCU was, you know, that was my, that was my number one. And, you know, having guys over here that have, you know, been in the program and stuff and knowing, you know, some of the guys, I mean, our center fielder, uh, Roger Nunez, I've known him since high school. And so that was one dude where I was like, okay, you know, I like the way he plays. I like the way, you know, dudes like Braden Taylor plays, Luke Boyers, you know, all these guys. I was like, I like the way they play the game and I like the way that, you know, they kind of run things. And so it was like, you know, this is, this is what I kind of want to be a part of. And I want to, you know, be on a team that, you know, makes it not only makes it to a regional, but, you know, being able to make it there and make it to a super and, you know, eventually, you know, going to Omaha and having a chance of winning Omaha. I mean, that's, you know, that's every kid's dream, but, you know, I haven't, I haven't even played postseason baseball yet. So I just wanted to, you know, get a feeling of what postseason baseball is like. And, um, you know, I was actually eligible to be drafted last year and, you know, I'd kind of turned down, you know, anything that, you know, any sort of talks or anything that I was getting because, you know, I feel like, you know, especially as a, at the time, a 20 year old, you know, kid, like I want to do something. I, I still have a year left in my tank and, 
you know, I got, you know, a junior year, technically it's my junior year. So I have, you know, two junior years in a row. I was like, I'm gonna take advantage of it and, and go somewhere and win. And that's, you know, that was really the biggest thing for me. Like you said, I mean, going somewhere to, you know, going to some sort of winning program and being able to be a part of that and just getting, you know, right into it and, you know, getting to work. That was, that was anything I wanted, everything I wanted. Well, we think alike because you said there's like eight or nine teams. I did my preseason Omaha eight before the season started in TCU mm -hmm. in my eight. That's before I even went and seen you at the showdown or anything. Yeah. So I, I believe the same thing you did by joining that program. Yeah. So hopefully you made me right, Trey. But Yeah, hey, that's the plan. That's so, the plan. you know, season starts off at the college baseball showdown, Globe Life. I get to see you again. Um, You catch my attention again. It's that, the, the smile because I was actually sitting on that first baseline side. So you were right, you were right there in front of us and – uh. You know, once again, start with competition like Arkansas, Vandy, and Missouri in a in a big league stadium. I mean, the these things like the Shriners and college baseball showdown. I mean, they can only make you better because you automatically out the gate get to play the best of competition. And like you said, in an atmosphere that this yeah. great, right? Yeah. And um, so I, I, I'll tell you this: uh, you know who Jalen Battles is, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Do you happen to remember that web gym you made against Arkansas? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so we were sitting in a suite together, and you took him to his feet with a full ovation against his alma mater. So uh, if you want to feel you. good about something, man, hey. he was like, that's a play right there. And, you know, hey. he's a middle infielder, so he's respecting you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. I love it. I love it. So, I mean, with that, man, you know, I brought up your batting stats, but just talk about the pride. You know, you talked about that side and catch you made last week. Just talk about that pride you have of being the defensive player you are. Uh, you know, that's really, I tell people all the time. I mean, my defense is really what's gotten me to this point. Um, you know, I've always, you know, hitting for me, hitting, hitting takes a lot more work for me than it does for, you know, a few people. And that, I mean, that's okay. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't mind that at all. I just, you know, go in and put my work, but you know, I was, I was really, really blessed with, you know, a good glove. And I've always, you know, once I started learning the fundamentals of, you know, truly how to feel ground balls and, you know, using your feet, I mean, there the, was the sky's the limit for me because for the most part, I mean, it's all athleticism. And especially playing the middle infield, like, you know, you need to you, you need to sometimes just be an athlete. You don't need to do any footwork or anything like that. I mean, you know, the fundamentals is what wins it. But, you know, every now and then you need to be an athlete. And so uh, that's something defensively, that's something I've, I've always, you know, taking pride in since you know middle school around the time where I would, like actually started you know being able to make plays like that and uh you know I, I truly believe that's what's gotten me to this point is my defense and you know working I've been I've been blessed enough to work with you know some of the best defensive dudes in the country with you know Steve Rodriguez at uh at Baylor and then um our uh our hitting coach our assistant coach here uh TJ Bruce he's He's really good with uh, defense. I think he was at UCLA with, like, Brandon Crawford and all of them when they won the championship, I think. Um, but, you know, he – he having both of them in my corner, you know, teaching me with defense. I mean, I've, I've also – back at home, one of the guys that I work out with is really good friends with Ron Washington. And if you know anything about Ron Washington, you know he – that dude just breeds defenders. And so uh, being able to, you know, have guys like that and – you know, just dudes in my corner that know, you know, the true that there is a true art to playing defense or the true art to playing the infield. Uh, you know, it's just it's it's amazing because, you know, it allows me to, you know, just really show myself. I mean, like 
okay, yeah, you're good at defense, but there's always another level you can get to on defense. And so, you know, my whole goal is to go into the game. Every single game I play is, you know, I want to be the best. I, whenever the game ends, I want you to remember me as the second baseman over the second baseman on whatever team we're facing. And so that's my mindset every single game is let me just let me just show you, you know, why I'm the better second baseman. And, you know, more times than not, I mean, you get certain plays like that. You play with confidence like that. You're going to make plays like that. But, you know, it's really the fundamentals is what, you know, is what really, really has kept me in this position. And, you know, having the guys in my corner, like I said, is it's huge. Well, I'm a I'm a firm believer that good defense creates offense. So I think that's what yeah. you're able to do to do both. You know, batting three ten on the season. One of the things I noticed in watching your recent games, you know, from when I first saw you, you know, you were towards the back end of the lineup to start the season, and now you're up front. So just yeah. shows that you've uh, you've earned your way up to to start there. Obviously, we talk about the defense. So you, I mean, you're fully acclimated with the Horn Frogs now, and and I love to see it. Uh, so as a team, and you know, and this is the last thing I'll ask you about, and then we'll we'll get to the game. You know, obviously some ups and downs. You'll start out really well at the showdown. You know. So uh, you lose the series to Florida State and, uh, you know, Oklahoma and Texas Tech. But then, you know, you turn around this past weekend and, you know, Oklahoma State's red hot and y'all take care of business and, and yeah. showed the team that y'all are back on. They they jumped y'all back in the rankings. So do you feel like last weekend is going to be the kickstart that y'all need to get yourself back going in the right direction and be that team that, you know, you felt like y'all are going to be from the start? Absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest thing was, you know, we we thought as a team, you know, the series that we had against Tech, um, that was really the turning point of, you know, or it could have been the turning point of the season just because of, you know, the way that we played baseball that weekend. And, you know, if you've ever been down to Lubbock, you know that, you know, whatever goes down in Lubbock, it's just it's just chaos. That's all that's all Lubbock is, is chaos. And so, you know, one, you know, obviously not winning the series, but you know, we're going to be able to look back on the season and be like, you know, we entered the tank for three straight games. And that was that was something that was big for us, because that was that was really the one thing for us, especially going up until that point was, you know, the the most important part was, you know, just empty the tank, play all nine innings. And, you know, by the end of the game, you know, if you can truly look at yourself in the mirror and say that you gave your team everything you had, then we're in a good spot when win or lose. So. Uh, Tech, that was a real big series for us. And coming into Oak State, it was just, you know, let's protect our home turf. And, uh, you know, obviously didn't get the win that we wanted on Friday night. But, you know, to be able to respond, especially against a really good Oklahoma State team like that, I mean, that was huge. And, um, you know, that was – that it's truly, you know, especially for the win-loss record, I mean, that's that was something big for us because that pushed us right up to, you know, I think we're second, tied for second in the conference. So, uh you know, being able to take that series when we did. And, you know, I think we got, we got UNC Wilmington this weekend and in Texas right back here at home. I mean, we got some pretty good baseball to play the next few weeks. And, uh, you know, seeing, you know, what we did, you know, against Tech, even though we lost the series and seeing what we did against Oak State winning the series. I mean, you know, you got to, as a team, you just got to see that, you know, this is what happens when we empty the tank. We empty the tank and, you know, we played baseball together that's one thing that they hammer us uh our coaching staff hammers with us is you know finding ways to win I mean uh the best teams you know they there there's a reason why teams who hit the long ball and can only hit the long ball live and die by the long ball don't make it too far you have to you know especially with Omaha summer baseball you got to lay down bunts 
You got to do hit and runs. You got to steal. You got to do all sorts. You gotta I, I know how to summarize it. You, you got to play frog ball, Trey. It, there you go. There you go. You got to play a little bit of frog ball. So, you know, that's just something that we take pride in is being able to win games in so many different ways on the offensive side. And, you know, the pitch, I mean, we've been facing these guys all fall and, you know, we know what they're capable of and, all they got to do is just go out there and just give the defense a chance. And, you know, that's that's really the biggest thing. But, you know, like I said earlier, I mean, we just go out, we empty the tank and we keep doing, you know, what we're doing. And, you know, we'll be where we want to be by the end of the season. Man, speaking of playing games, Trey, we got to We're going to wrap a bow on this thing. We're going to play a little we game. We, we call it this or that. And the, okay. the rules are simple, Trey. I'm going to give you two options. And the only rules are you cannot say neither and you cannot say both. Okay. All right. Okay. So we're, look, start it off, you know, a little fast, a little easy, easy one. If you could only pick one, would you rather have the ability to teleport or time machine? Oh, teleport easily. Man, where are we easily. teleporting to? I shoot wherever I need to teleport to. There are times where I get lazy. And I don't feel like driving. I don't feel like walking. Like if I could <laughs> teleport to class, if I could teleport where I need to go, beat traffic. Oh, absolutely. So like we Absolutely. ain't talking about like teleporting to the beach or nothing. We just talking about like hey, they take I mean, these seven if buildings calls, over. If it calls for the beach, it calls for the beach. But <laughs> I'd I'd rather have that tool than going back in time. I just feel like time travel get boring. Hey, There's Daniel, only so much you can go see. There's hey, only last, so much you can go see. Our last guest uh, is playing for the University of Houston, Drew, who used to play for LSU. He's talking yeah. about Houston traffic. He said he teleported through that traffic too. Hey, and when you live when you when you've been around Houston traffic, you you understand completely. I'm not sitting through that. All right, so speaking of traffic, you can only have one mode of transportation. Would it be a donkey or a giraffe? Oh, giraffe, easily. Yo, you're going to be up there, like, just, like, have the, like, the chain on, up yeah. on top of the giraffe, looking down on everybody? I will say I'm I'm a, I'm slightly afraid of heights, but I'm also only 5'9", so my center of gravity isn't too – it's not too high. Right. And so I'm, I'm okay with getting – I'm okay with riding a giraffe. But, I mean, donkey, I just feel like that's boring. That's like, I mean, if, I, if I'm going to ride a donkey, I'm going to ride a horse. Like, Yeah, you know? well, horses are much faster than a, than a donkey for sure. There, there you go. There and donkeys, you go. man, they'll just, like, stop. Like, that's just yeah, like, they're, they're just I mean, done. They're, but, they're but like Daniel said, they're, reli they're reliable. That's Daniel. Are they? Hey, if, How do you uh, know? If I'm, if I'm in the position to be able to ride a giraffe, <laughs> I consider that giraffe reliable. How do you, how do you know a giraffe is reliable? Well, how do you know a donkey is? Because they are. They're known for being reliable. They're also <laughs> known for just laying down. When they're done, they're done. It's over. It's a wrap. <laughs> exactly. That's reliable. boring. That's boring. Well, all right. Let's just get let's let's move on. Would you rather be the fastest person in the world or be able to fly? Oh, now this is a tough one. Why well, he thinks Randy you like around how, Houston you like traffic. How you know, you like how I flipped that for him. Is normally mm. strongest person in the world, but I, I knew Trey would have to think about fastest. Yeah, yeah. I'm a. I gotta go with the ability to fly. I, I gotta go I with the ability to fly. But that I you would, said you're I, scared that, of heights. Unbelievable. I'm scared of heights, but if I can fly, I think that takes away that scare, that fear of heights. I'm gonna be honest, because at least I, I know at that point, if I fall down, I'm gonna just fly. That's <laughs> true. I mean, I, that would be very ironic if you could fly and you were scared of heights. That, that yeah, would... that that would yeah, that's not a good mix. That's not a good mix. No, it's not. It's not. All right. So, would you rather be trapped in a romantic comedy movie with your enemies or a horror movie with your best friends? Horror movie with my best friends. You got to be with the homies, right? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that. That I mean, I 
I'm I actually like love watching horror movies anyway. And it's not because like I don't freak out. Like, trust me, I I am, you know, anxiety, freaking Yo. fear. It all hits during horror movies. But I Wait, love you, like, you, you ever scream movies. You ever scream during a horror you ever scream during a horror movie? Be honest. More of like a like a ooh, like a startle. <laughs> not really a scream so not like ah. Yeah, no. <laughs> Come on, man. Randy, you know never, a question I'm gonna Randy, you know a question I'm gonna keep asking every guy that comes on here after Kenley. Would would you would you be interested in a girl whose favorite movie all time is a horror movie? Is that a red flag for you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's there's there's something there's something that ain't right. <laughs> I'm gonna just leave it at that. That I mean, hey. My wife don't even listen to the show, so I'm married to one of them, Trey. And uh, I'm with you, though. Hey, hey. <laughs> this you will know, be the I'm, episode she listens to. I was about to say, I'm happy for you. Trust me. I'm happy <laughs> if you're Randy's wife, you're listening. I'm happy for y'all, but that's that's not normal. <laughs> no, it's not. And her favorite Christmas movie is Nightmare Before Christmas. Let's not even get started on that. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a Halloween movie. <laughs> yeah, that's not Christmas. No, yeah. it's not. All right, you can only pick one. Concert or sporting event? Sporting event. What's your sporting favorite? Event. You can only pick one sporting event. Okay. What are you picking? Any, oh. any sporting event. Any, we're talking any of Any sporting event. You know, I got to, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the Super Bowl. I'm going to go with the Super Bowl. And the, and the only re, it was between, this is what it was. It was between the Super Bowl. It was between that game seven of the World Series and WrestleMania. And the only reason that I didn't pick WrestleMania game seven is because WrestleMania, I haven't been a that avid of a WWE fan since probably I don't know, probably probably about 2014 or so. And so I, I keep up with it. I still watch it a little bit. Like I watch on YouTube and you know I have Peacock, but I don't, I'm not that in, I'm, I'm like now at this point in my life, I'm more into it for the nostalgia as, you know, instead of, and then all the guys that I used to look up to like wrestling, they're all gone now. So I feel like, like I feel like Daniel's got to ask a question here because Daniel's our wrestling guru and he doesn't I know. I see, I see the universal belt in the background and the, the million dollar da belt. Daniel, hit him, hit him with a wrestling question pre-2014. Get, get him with it. Let me, let me tell you this, Trey. Okay. If, you get a, if you ever get a chance to go to WrestleMania, you, you got to go. Right? Yeah, without a doubt. It's, it's like going to Disney World, it, you just walk in and you're just happy. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it brings back the kid in you. But going back to your time of wrestling, you're probably watching wrestling, John Cena, the height of the PG, Punk, the height yeah, of the PG era. Like, those guys are still in it, man. They're, yeah, they're still yeah. they're still doing it. So I, I saw I saw I think Cena return to fight at WrestleMania. I he saw did. that. Um, did you see I saw him? CM Punk is at AEW. I did not see him. <laughs> I did not see him. But yeah, I mean, I I still like I still keep up with it a good amount. But it's just you know it's it's not. I don't know. I just I just don't. I just it's just not something I can watch anymore. I think yeah. I just grew out of it. I think I just grew out of it. Yeah, yeah. Trey, let me let me tell let me double down on what DB just said, man. So I went down to Disney World this last fall, and yeah. DB lives close to Disney, so he came and met us, right? 
So yeah. before he's supposed to meet us at some time, and he's like laid away. He texts me. He hits me up. He says, "Man, we got on the wrong train, bro. We at the wrong. We at the wrong spot. We gonna be so you know frustrated, or whatever. But by the time I saw DB inside those gates, all smiles, baby. <laughs> well, Disney let me World let me has that effect on you. Let me tell you, if you get on the wrong train, you got to take the train all the way to stop one, like the very very beginning, uh, and it's it's like a hotel resort and yeah. I wasn't staying there. And then I had to yeah. go back the way we came and hit every one of those stops on the way back. It was, it was uh, well, well, as someone whose wife is going to listen to this episode, I actually get in trouble for walking into Disney not happy. And the reason I don't walk in happy trades, I know how much money my wife and kids are fixing to spend. So I'm automatically, I'm automatically upset. There you go. There you go. <laughs> hey, it's, it's all for the memories, man. It's all for the memories. Well, I'm for the FTK. But anyways, <laughs> we, we, uh, <laughs> Next question. And uh, obviously, we know what that means. But, um, all right, more fun to play in, Minute Maid or Globe Life? Oh, Minute Maid, without a doubt. Uh, without Globe doubt. Life, to me, I don't know, Globe Life just doesn't have the character. It just feels like, it. to me, Globe Life just feels like, it just feels like just a professional stadium. Yeah. And maybe I'm a little, maybe I'm very biased. I know I'm very biased. But, you know, I'll go as far as saying that Minute Maid is the, best ballpark in all of baseball granted i will say i haven't been to you know i haven't been to the historic ballparks uh been the the braves field uh was it truest i've been there i've been to turner uh i've been to a handful of stadiums but uh for me minute made is always just that because i've been an astros fan since you know since i started watching baseball and so you know i remember towels hill and I remember the games where there are the days where you can go up and sit nosebleed and buy those tickets. And by the end of the game, you're down by the dugout. I mean, that was, Yo, you know, y'all had some lean awesome. years. And get some, yeah, some, it was, it was some tough times, but, um, but I always say minute made just because I mean, globe life, it just doesn't have character to me. And then maybe it's just cause it's so new. Um, but it's just not, it's not, it's not quite minute made. And when you play, when we play at minute made, they're not Shriners Classic, and it's like usually the weekend where the weather is the best in, in uh, Houston. Uh, when they have that roof open, it is unbelievably beautiful. Well, that's why I started to say to you about Globe Life. Globe Life was a blessing because I got friends sending me pictures from every stadium where they're all bundled up, freezing mm-hmm. to death, and I'm sitting there and warm watching y'all play. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. To be able to go and play in a stadium in, in what was it, February? Yeah. Middle of February and playing in the stadium. And it was 30 outside. And, and you're sweating after you finish the game. Like that was that, that was amazing. I mean, I don't I already don't I don't like wearing undershirts. And so whenever I play, I always like I don't have anything on other than other uh under my jersey. And being able to go in there and you know, those first two games, I've got my taco meat hanging out in my jersey, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is this is this is legit, man. And you know, those jerseys they fit well to me, but uh but yeah, I always I always go minute made before before most stadiums, if not all. All right. Speaking of sweating, Trey, would you rather be attacked by a grizzly bear or attacked by a tiger? Hmm. Ah, I'm gonna go tiger with this one. Grizzly bears are not they. That ain't I mean, it. Tigers, tigers are ferocious too, but grizzly bears. We it's something we do at the house here with my roommates. We'll just randomly just look up just wildlife encounters that's it and so i've seen what grizzly bears and what tigers do when they're you know they're aroused and they're up and they're angry 
but I don't know. There's just something about a, an angry grizzly bear that just doesn't sit right with me. I'm, like a tiger, at least, you. you know, tigers are big and tigers, will, they'll, they'll do some damage. But a grizzly bear, man, I mean, the name's a grizzly bear. It's grizzly. Like, that's hey, nuts to me. I just need you to remember that when you talk about LeBron being the goat and all that, Lakers and all that. You just remember that. They're playing the Grizzlies. Hey, <laughs> hey, nice. I'm going to bite my tongue on that. I actually, I actually got this little <laughs> LeBron shirt right here. Oh, man. LBJ, hey. my little James shirt. Good, good, good luck. Good, good luck. LeBron diehard. Good luck, King. But listen, we're gonna end. We're gonna end on this last question. This is the one that we're probably gonna judge you the most on. All right. Uh, but probably not for the reason you think. Would you rather betray your best friend or go to jail for five years for a crime that you did not commit? Like when I say betray, like y'all are not homies no more. You're never talking to that cat again. Uh. Ah, oh, this is tough. It's tough. There, there is <laughs> a right is answer. I, I don't know, Randy. While he's thinking, our last guest kind of convinced me that he he said he'd do 25 in prison. And he basically said he'd be the most liked person in there. Yeah, see, I'm not doing that. I, I can't. I can't agree with that. That's prison. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We we didn't agree with that, but he was he was selling me. You know, it's a hypothetical, and so because it's a hypothetical, I'm gonna go with the politically correct answer. Because I just couldn't be able to live with betraying my best friend. Oh my! Let me tell you. But yeah, I'm. I think I'm. I'm gonna have to go to prison here. No, uh, and look, I, look, 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 Trey, Trey. Let me tell you something. With that that million dollar smile you got on, man, you ain't can't smile uh, in prison. No, I'm not. I'm not. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna come out. I'm gonna come out without a smile if I do make it out. <laughs> if if I do make it, then out. I'm finding that dude. And I w- look. These dudes are my best friends. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't going to jail for him, man. I ain't exactly. holler, holler back. Y'all hit me on the flip. See you in the afterlife. We done for now. You know, and you know, off the record, I think I'm gonna go with that. But you know, we're being recorded right now, so in case you know, you're I still on the re- you're still on the watching, record. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with prison. I just want my prison. homies right here to know. And we all know the answer. Ain't none of us. Look, if any of us get caught up and have to get story straight. I'm just gonna make them out and be like, I don't DB did this, Jim did this. I wasn't even there. I'll, I'll take it a step further to the question before. If there was a tiger or a grizzly bear that approached us and I was with one of them, I'd push them and forward and I'd take off running. Oh, absolutely. I'm right there with you. <laughs> I'm right there with you. That, that's kind of messed up. I don't think I wouldn't do that. My God. Let's think hey, through this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's doggy dog world, man. Gotta get I mean, through. Gotta get through. At that point, strength in numbers has to be a you, game you, plan, me, right? We're going to say, me, hey, let's go jump this bear. Yeah, that's I was going to say, Daniel, you think me and you can take I'm a sorry. I'm sorry, Daniel. That's a grizzly No, but we could, we, could, we could throw rocks a lot better than I don't, I don't think the three, I don't, As a matter of fact, I don't think the four of us could still beat the grizzly bear. It don't matter right. how big our squad yeah, is. Yeah, I need, I need some weapons and artillery. And that's what I need to take down this grizzly bear because I'm not doing it with my bare hands. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, but what if we did, though? I mean, what if we did? Let's, we, not, we, let's not find out. Let's not do I was it. About to say, I was about to say. And I'm not going to test prison either or anything else in between. That's oh, something we'll find out in another life. Not this one. Not this one. Well, <laughs> well, Trey, man, it's been a blast. Before you run, anything you want to plug or promote? Um, Nah, man. Uh, You know, I just I appreciate y'all having me on here. Uh, This is, you know, this is, this is a really good time. Um. 
you know, usually when you get on Zoom, or at least for me, when I get on Zoom calls, it's always something for business or, you know, something for something that isn't fun. And so, you know, being able to come on here and, you know, just give you all my story, just talk a little bit, you know, learn a little bit about everybody else here. I mean, it was it was a pretty, pretty cool experience. You are more than welcome anytime. Uh, thank you. Thank you. So thank you. I'm, I'm going to help plug you a little bit. If you want to know what Trey's doing on a Wednesday night, maybe he's recording a podcast. If you want to know what he's doing on just a random Tuesday night, maybe it's Taco Tuesday, go on over to Instagram at underscore Trey Richardson. If you want to know what the Horn Frogs are doing on the diamond at TCU Baseball, be sure to check them out on ESPN Plus all weekend Friday. Uh, they got UNC Wilmington coming to town 5.30 Friday. They got another one on Saturday at 4. And the last of the three games set on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Once again, all of them on ESPN Plus. So check them out, man. It's uh, some, of, some of the best baseball in the country, no doubt. It's a good time to watch the Frogs. It's a good time to watch the Frogs. Absolutely. Well, that does it, man. We are going to let you bounce. If there's anything we can do for you, Trey, man, please reach out to us. Absolutely. I appreciate y'all. Appreciate it. That's Trey Richardson, everybody. We're going to take a break. We're going to catch our breath. That was a good, good, good interview. When we come back, we're going to talk headlines, college baseball, NBA playoffs. We're going we're gonna to talk about it all. Do you like having posters and supporting your favorite athletes? Well, the Athletic Collection gives you a chance to do that with the best posters in the game. They have many different teams with many different sports. Myself, as an LSU fan, I just got myself LSU baseball, LSU gymnastics, and LSU soccer posters to put up in the man cave. So get your posters today at the Athletic Collection, which you can find on Instagram and Twitter. Have you heard of the Bellsmith? He's absolutely amazing. They make the most custom and unique bells. They made one for my son on the championship run in Omaha in 2021. They make game day bells, swashbuckler, artillery, junction, pirate, you name it, they can make it. You can check them out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can find them in different places around Starkville like Maroon and Company. So have them make your custom bell today. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. we got some headlines for you. Leading off, Randy, got to talk Tennessee baseball, Tennessee, Florida. Talk to me about what happened and where do the balls go from here? Well, Daniel, what happened was they lost another pivotal SEC series. And it's, you know, tough competition, right? They've lost to LSU on the road and now uh, Florida at home. And uh, where do we go from here? And, you know, how much love and respect we all have for um, the Chases and, and the Drew Beams and everybody on that staff. I think it's time to do uh, them a favor. I think it's time to shake up the rotation. I think it's time to put QB1 in a Friday night spot. Shake it up. I would go Drew Beam, Chase Dolander. I would move my boy Chase Burns in the bullpen for just a week. You know, just a I'd week. I'd go Xander. Yeah, I was hoping you – I would go Xander on Sunday. I would go Xander on Sunday. Or You know, you got a lot of options to go in. You know, we all know how deep their pin is. I think you got a lot of options. But I just think that Burns needs a week or two to – hone his craft he he clearly is, is missing he doesn't have his stuff i think it's time to make a little move db would you consider this um you know moving dolander to the third day yeah yeah i, I think, think all options are on the table 
Because I think, to me, what makes sense is you, you take that guy who's proven he may not be having the season. Like, it's hard to replicate what he's done. True. So this year, moving him into that third game, like, I don't think there's a guy on that Tennessee bench that isn't excited when he is towing the rubber for you. Or doesn't believe that you have a chance to win a game, especially if you're going into a game three and your your series is tied at one. Like, and that guy's on the mound, you think you got a good shot, right? Yeah, I do, and and I think too that Jim talked about this. We've seen Doe be like in the LSU series; he went toe to toe with Skeens for five and two thirds. So like his stuff has been there from off and on. It's just not as consistent as and you said it. It's impossible or next to impossible to replicate what they had last year 11 and 0 his era being what it was that probably wasn't ever going to happen but what we haven't seen is the struggle that they're giving up home runs i mean they it's just a struggle they're leaving well, it across. let me ask you what this. do you call it dead dick center <laughs> well let me ask you this randy if you look at just this weekend series in general all right so when you look at arkansas hunter holland's dealing obviously on friday he's only had one bad start on the season would you not as a would you not go whoever that day and then go beam and Dolander on the next two days. And cause it's all about winning series. Obviously you hope you still get that game one, but you know, the way the rest of the Arkansas uh, staff is go into those games is the, is the heavy favorite when you look at, you know, what's on the rubber. I understand the the concept behind that. And it does make sense. But I think that when you're, you're Vitello and Anderson, you still think that your best is better than their best. So I think that they'll still go dough on Friday night. And I think they'll go – I do think they're going to move beam. What Vitello's uh, – his post game the other day, last night, after last night, was said that after the last weekend series against Florida, that all options are on the table. They're going to take today to get organized and come out with a weekend rotation. And I wouldn't be surprised at all to see it moved up. And I honest to God think that it will be Burns moving to the pin temporarily. You remember last year they brought Burns out of the pin in some key you – know, obviously when Blake – when Tidwell came back in. And maybe maybe it's even Halverson. I mean, he he's – he had one bad game, but he's been pretty dominant. Maybe it's him that comes back. When we get into LSU and South Carolina minute, I mean, look at what happened in South Carolina. They gave Will Sanders uh, a weekend off and then, you know, gave him an inning in the midweek. Just to, And then he comes out and it looks the best he's looked all season. So, I mean, you know, sometimes mixing it up, giving him that weekend off, whatever the case may be, coming out of the bullpen, you know, it's amazing what that can do and change things up. I agree. DB, I got a question for you. So if you you got it, obviously you got the extra day too. But you so Beam pitched last Saturday, and obviously it's that's probably enough time to get your arm right. But from a pitching a mentality standpoint, does that change up your mentality going from pitching Saturday to now you're pitching Friday? I think it it's a benefit to move it up a day because I don't I don't think for him an extra day of rest is is warranted because the he's going to go out and he's going to be amped up and he's going to be excited. So I think any kind of like fatigue that he might have by not getting that extra day is, is going to be negated. I think what, what he needs to know is pretty early in the week, whether he's going to start on Friday or not. So I would, I would say after Sunday's game, they knew that they were going to, they're either going to move him to that Friday start so they can start preparing his, his sessions then. Because if not, then you wait until, what, Wednesday? It's too late at that point. 
Well, just like obviously most of our fans are people that are listening. I say fans, but you know what I mean. For those that don't know, what is a, a session for a D1 college baseball pitcher? What's that looking like? What are you doing during the week to get ready to start whatever day it is? You know, it depends. There's a lot of different philosophies. I know the one that we worked on when I was coaching, it was, you know, you had a, a really light day, a moderate day, uh, like a, a mechanical day, and then an off day. So those are your four days in between your last game before you get into a start. The mechanical day could be like a short bullpen session that, you know, not super aggressive, a lot of fastballs, maybe work in some all speed, but not a whole lot. Um, you would have a long toss day definitely uh, early in that week. And then you would just kind of, you know, play it by ear. If you felt like you needed to fine tune some things, you could get on the rubber and, and work, work some stuff. But, I mean, at this point in the season, these guys are, are ready to roll. Arms are, are, are where they need to be, um, you know. So that four-day session could look a, a, a number of different ways, but I think you're going to get pretty much the same thing I said. You're going to get a long toss. You're going to get a mechanical day. You'll get a, a light bullpen. And then from there, it's that fourth day, which varies depending on the player and the coach and their philosophy. But I, I don't think he's – I don't think him moving to game one is going to do a whole lot for him. I think he, he's going to be ready to go regardless. Well, Jim, let me ask you a question before we move on. I know we got a lot to get into, but if you're Tony Vitello, Frank Anderson, Josh Elander, and those guys – Obviously, when you're working these guys, you know, that like DB talked about in those days, you're seeing Chase Burns be Chase Burns that they know during the week, or they probably wouldn't continue to put him as that Saturday starter, right? I mean, this it's not like he's bad in practice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, one of the cool parts was I told y'all, um, the umpire that works out at the at the gym with me, um, giving me the – I mean, nobody gets a better view. And he watched Burns pitch all of last year multiple times behind the dish, and he had him this past weekend. And he said it's just – I told you, he said that fastball, he said it's just not moving like it was, and that slider is just not locating like it was. So, you know, uh, maybe looking good at practice, but in the game, you know, like I said, had fir- you, you're seeing obviously the runs come in, so we know that part. But from a firsthand view from behind, he's saying it's just not doing what it was doing last year. So him and Frank got to figure out what it is that's going on. Is it – and I don't know because I didn't do this, but DB, is it a sophomore slump? It could be. I mean, what what you got to remember is that last year you get, you know, a freshman season where nobody has anything on you. Over time they get stuff on you, but now there's a whole year's worth of data on you. And I think we all know how – how much data has revolutionized the oh, game? They know baseball. it all. So I think that has a little bit to do with it. I think maybe expectations being high has a little bit to do with it. And then you 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 compound that with the pressure that a player can put on themselves, and then you kind of have a recipe for a sophomore slump. Also, also, and not this is this really is the last thing I'll say. Last year, the pressure was not really on the pitching staff as much when the team's averaging nine to ten runs a game. Well, that's what I was going to say. I would say, you know, with the exception of a couple outlier games where they scored like 17 in a game or like 24 in a game, like their losses, they've lost because they're not hitting the ball that well. (laughs) Right. I mean, they're not – like the pitching isn't 
keeping them like a one nothing game or anything. So, but like you you got to score more than two or four runs in the SEC when you're playing teams that can hit the baseball like LSU and Florida. Well, when you talk about the last two seasons, right, uh, your national champs, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, first of all, you just had to get in. But I specifically, I would compare them more to Mississippi State because what won Mississippi State the national championship was their pitching, right, when they got to when they got to the postseason. And when I look at this Tennessee team, when they get there, I mean, everything can happen that happens this season, right, Randy? We talked about this. And it doesn't matter where they go on the road to. If that pitching staff finds themselves come postseason – it's a uh, th- that's the last team I want to see in my region. If if I I, so, I mean that's the whole thing. They just they got to figure it out at some point by that time that comes. And if they do, it's scary for anybody. Breaking news! Breaking news! Little Rock has defeated Arkansas eleven to four. Wow! Go ahead, Little Rock. Battle the battle well, of the saw. Well, they 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 battled because they got the tar beat out of them last night. They did. Little Rock came back with a vengeance today. But midweek, but Daniel said midweeks or midweeks. So it's just it is, it is what it is, man. All right, let's let's get into it, Jim. South Carolina, LSU. Oh, I'll ask you this. Obviously, I think we were cheated on on a a pivotal game three. Um, weather didn't want to cooperate. But would you say because I you were very confident in LSU going into the weekend. Would you say that you were surprised by South Carolina? No, I wasn't surprised. And I want to lead right out the gate just on the game three thing before we break down game one and two. These LSU fans that are talking about South Carolina is lucky and South Carolina is scared. With the injury to Edwards, the fact that Gavin Guidry hit it just pitched, you know, in game two for two innings. Um, when you look at what we were more than likely going to run out there, Christian Little, Riley Cooper, guys who've been struggling. Um, anybody who thought LSU had an advantage going into game three is lying to themselves. Um, I was more than happy, especially because we stole game two, to get the hell out of there, Daniel. So, to your point, people who think that South Carolina was trying to you know, avoid a game three are people that never seen South Carolina play and they believe that what they did in this the first two games was a fluke. Right. Like, and and I learned by rule, and Randy may have known this already, by rule, they can't do a double header on that first day. So for right. everybody said, why didn't they do double header on the first day? It's actually they're not allowed to, period. So um there was nothing South Carolina could have done to have changed that third game being played. And so for the people who are mad and and try to say that South Carolina did that, that that, that had nothing to do with them. It's just uh, it's an unfortunate circumstance. And you asked me a question on Twitter on my on my rankings. If South Carolina would have played game three and one, what where would they have been? And they would have been sitting number two right behind Wake and LSU would have been at three. Yeah, I mean I I uh I can see that for sure. I just think South Carolina, they were giving you exactly what they were offensively. Um, but you, had, you guys didn't see their best pitcher. Yeah. 
Well, and, and we'll we'll get into. I want to I want to shout out a certain pitcher from from South Carolina, but the game one, it, the dynamic really changed because if you just look at Skeens over the course of the year, and especially the way he was pitching when the lightning delay happened, obviously um, striking out the side, just absolutely rolling. If you're going to give me Will Sanders against a locked and loaded pissed off Paul Skeens, regardless of the fact that three runs have been given up. Two, by the way, were only on him. There was obviously the air. Um, I'm going to bet on Will Sanders to be the one to make the mistake and bet on LSU's lineup. So that whole thing changed. And why Jay Johnson came out with Buckman and just kind of surrendered that game, I'm texting you all in real time. I don't understand. After he puts the first two batters on, get him out of there. Instead, he lets him walk the bases loaded and then give up the grand slam to – Petrie, who's just a monster. Like we're, I can't wait for that episode. That that guy is is everything that we had read about, seen about, not just at that at bat, but all together. Um, the guy who impressed me, obviously, Will Sanders did his thing on Friday, but the guy who impressed me the most, Daniel, was Veach on Saturday. And it's Veach. a shame that he came out because that was when LSU then rallied and came back. But I have it right here just because I want to make sure I had it. He went. Well, Veach actually pitched the midweek. He started the midweek against North Carolina and had five scoreless. Yeah, he he went three innings. He gave up no hits. He did give up three walks, but he had five Ks. And I told you, that 78-mile-an-hour changeup he was throwing was messing the best lineup in baseball, arguably, up bad. He was oh. making some of them look – he had Tommy White just whiffing. Only bad hitters that change up, though. <laughs> and so i gotta give him a shout but obviously we we gotta give a shout out to two-time guest will sanders he was absolutely dealing going toe-to-toe um with skeins but uh you know shout out to lsu like i said stealing game two south carolina putting themselves on the map game one anybody who thinks they're fool's gold at this point is a fool um this this is a team um and and i think you know to go back to will will sanders shout out he came on this show and told us this team is going to be there. And Randy was adamant about that on Twitter, telling people who were saying that. And because and they were like, well, of course he's going to say that about his team. Well, actually, he came on the yeah. season before and said they weren't going to be good. So, Which shocked us at the time. We're like, did this man just say this team's not going to be very good? So, like, I mean, he shoots it straight. And he and he he gave us the list of these guys. These guys, we knew about it. Anybody go back and listen to that episode, he's listing the guys that are dealing. Like, so it's it's no surprise. Maybe he couldn't have projected Petrie to do what he's doing, but I tell you, Brock Wilkin messaged me and told me that he he said that dude is, you know, he goes, I feel like that's my twin. He's the younger version. He's like, he's the same guy. And obviously Brock Wilkins ranked as the as the number two third baseman behind Tommy White. And I could make a case that he's, you know, every bit as good, if not better, than than Tommy. So yeah, that's that's saying a lot coming from a guy who's played with him. Yeah, I think also you, you got to give it up to him because he, he went the weekend prior against Mississippi State and, and didn't get to pitch at all. Um, and then all of a sudden you say, well, and no, no offense to Mississippi State, but you're not good enough to start against Mississippi State, but hey, you're good enough to start against <laughs> LSU, and by the way, good luck. <laughs> and he did exactly what a competitor – you would expect to do, and they go out there and they compete. And he, I mean, I, I thought he he commanded his own zone well. He got ahead. He, he he's going to strike people out. Um, you know, I mean, against the toughest lineup probably in college baseball. Like that's he did everything you could ask for. 
Uh, Mahoney game two came out and does what Jack Mahoney typically does. I mean, he ends up surrendering it over to the bullpen and inevitably they give up the lead late in the game. But um, Jim, I know you said that if South Carolina would have won a game three, you would have had them moved up. But if they would have squeaked out game two, would you still have felt the same way without LSU being able to play the oh, game? If they, if they take game one and game two, I'm, they probably even jump Wake Forest. <laughs> like, I mean, if, if you take both the games from – from LSU, and that's and that's the thing I'm probably been avoiding. By the way, on the LSU side, um, Ty, Ty Floyd's—they've already announced the starting uh, rotation this weekend. Ty Floyd has got to get right. We talked about it in real time, Daniel. They played it four runs, and he only gave up two hits. Yeah, I mean if, that's if that's you, astronomical. You know, after after that, I think there was a lot of people, and maybe yourself included, that was basically packing up game two going like this is well especially after garrett edwards comes out there and gets injured and he's been our money guy of the bullpen and it's like i i just want at that point i was like man throw the white towel get the hell out of columbia now well it's going to be interesting because it it doesn't the road doesn't get any easier for south carolina well it it does a little bit because we're obviously going to get in this here so we'll pick him in but but vandy's going to be missing a key arm so it's going to be helpful but we'll get we'll get to that in a second obviously so south carolina though but we saw what they did even without their key arm that's my point vandy we hadn't seen you know yeah well let's break down arkansas Ole miss um i you know i personally didn't watch I mean, obviously, we're invested in, in some, all these other games, but I didn't see a whole lot of that game. But Jim, what what do you what are you seeing from Old Miss? Because you were there, um, obviously. Are they getting better? Are they taking strides in the right direction? Obviously, you play an Arkansas team that's pretty pretty damn good, and we all pick Arkansas. But um, you tell me your firsthand witness. Well, the the reason why I want to talk about it is because mainly the effect of the guest that we've had on this show. First of all, Hunter Holland shoves on Friday. He's just obviously minus his one game. He's he's a dude. Um, but Saturday they won because of of two IOTB guests, uh, Jago Gonzalez and Ethan Leger, um, had themselves a game. And as a matter of fact, game three was dicey because Gonzalez was on deck. And if they find a way to get him up with two men aboard, the way he the way he'd been hitting all weekend, and specifically even in that game, I I would have bet money for Gonzo probably go yard. So Gage Wood got Arkansas out of that game, but um, those two dudes um, had themselves a weekend, kept them in it. That and Kemp Alderman. Um, that's the thing. Ole Miss. I, I did that Ole Miss show, and I broke it down, and obviously the stats have changed since then, but, I, I mean, I can remember what they were um, last week before going into it. The The top four on that team are hitting almost 400 with 130 RBIs, whereas five through nine, and and with all the guys who've been interchanging that, they're batting like a shade over 200 with only like 70 RBIs. So Daniel, their problem is only one through four getting it done. Obviously, obviously Leger batting in the six hole um, showed up this weekend, um, but their pitching just isn't, isn't good enough. Now, luckily they got um, Hunter Elliott coming back in a couple weeks against LSU. But the thing is 
it's going to be in a limited capacity. You know how it is, Daniel. Hey, they're they're going to run them out there for three innings. And what what a terrible timing! Like, hey, thanks for throwing me back at LSU to get my my warm up in, but I it too late. Yeah, I I think I think Mississippi State. We're gonna we're gonna you know uh, if you want to segue into that because that's one of our pickups. I, I mean, I think Mississippi State may bury them too deep after this weekend. I mean, somebody's probably going to get buried too deep out of the, that out of that series. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, yeah, the reason I, 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 Mississippi State just since 2015 has not lost that series. It's Super Bulldog weekend. You got Kate Smith, who's now not going to be on a pitch count. I just – I really like their odds. What is Super Bulldog weekend? It is absolutely amazing. So, first of all, there are sports going on all day throughout campus on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But to you, Saturday, for an example, you have the spring football game at noon. Um, then you have volleyball that's going on right after that. You have the softball game over there uh, at 1.30. Then you have the baseball game at 3. And then there's a concert at Duty Noble that night with uh, Brent Eldridge or whatever. It's one of one of the one of Randy's guys, not our guys. You know, some country not, not a Brent Eldridge fan. But anyway, nonetheless, I mean, so you can get foot in one day, Daniel, you can get football, volleyball, softball, baseball, and a concert. For instance, let me ask you both a question right now, right here. Jim, I'll start with you. Who's going to have more fans, Duty or Davis Wade? Spring game or Ole Miss baseball game? Duty Noble, they actually project Duty Noble to be a sellout. I would expect that too. And I would expect, but even I, I say that because if, if they weren't playing Ole Miss, Let's no, I still think you have There's a chance. I don't know. There, there's a lot of people, you know, we're friends with a lot of them dudes on, on Twitter, Randy. There's a lot of people believing that football team is going to be a 9-10 win team next year. Well, they're foolish. Let me tell you, they're <laughs> foolish. That, that is true. But nonetheless, that they're, they're they're buying into it. And so, and I feel, also, it's your first look, obviously, with a new coach, too. So, they're, they're, you know, that's part of the dynamic. But it's just a really cool thing, man. And it, and it just happened to be Ole Miss. And, and if you want to even take it further – their old their volleyball game is against Ole Miss, you know, and so like you know softball games against Alabama. So yeah, Montana Fouts is coming to town. I'll yeah. be there. So I mean, yeah, you got a reason to be in Starville all weekend, nonstop action. Whatever your sport is, whatever your flavor, you catch them all. I, if you want. I need a pretty good reason to be in Starville, Mississippi. <laughs> all right, let's get into these pickums this week. Uh, Randy, I'll start with you. Wake Forest and Louisville. Wait Look, man, traveling to Louisville. Yeah, I, I'm. You know, I'm gonna go with Louisville, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because um, Wake's taking a bus, and I, I just don't. I don't. I don't believe in that. I think Louisville's gonna come out. This is gonna be. A, they've been playing a lot better the last couple of weeks after taking it down a notch. After they look like one of the best teams in the country, I think they're gonna win this series two to one. What kind of Vegas underground intel are you getting? He said it right they're here take, on the show, baby. Taking a bus. Adam told us right here. Yeah, I was Jim. He said that right. I didn't just make that. He, he, did, he did say that, and I'm gonna tell you something on a Wake Forest note, Daniel. Me and Randy were not able to get jerseys, and I was, I'm I'm scorned. And did you see my message, Randy? Adam didn't get his. Uh, his mom didn't get his jersey either. Nor did uh, Camden um, Manichi, the closer who who leads oh the nation and saves. His girlfriend's uh, dad was bidding on his jersey, and he got outbid the same way I did last second. Like. Whoever played me did nice. Daniel, somebody bid with less than 10 seconds left, so I didn't have a chance to put my bid back in. 
It's supposed okay. to be for a good cause. Me, meanwhile, you got folks getting upset. You got moms can't get their sons' jerseys. Uh, you know, significant others, dads, guys like me and Randy fans. You know, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> I was gonna it hang is. that purple jersey right behind me, man. Dying. Oh, that, that's why Randy's really not picking Wake. He's he's salty. He ain't got he's that jersey. All right, Jim. Who, who are you bus. taking? I'm taking Wake because that pitching staff has just been nasty. Obviously, Louisville, um, they were my my team of the week, most impressive team of the week. They swept Boston College, who uh, we're all three have, have been sold on. There's no reason not to be. Um, but I, I just, I mean, I really, I really like Wake's pitching, man. Um, they got pretty pitchers that are on the Golden Spikes midseason watch list. So we always call them Rake Forest, but um, they're absolutely dealing too. Um, it is at Louisville, so that's obviously I don't know what that environment specifically is like, but obviously being at home is always advantageous. But um, still, give me wake, no sweep or nothing. Just gonna take series two one. Oh, I'm taking wake. I already know. I mean, you've I had him number one for like six, seven weeks. Man, what we don't want Daniel getting people in his mentions, bro. He ain't lying. I know. They, I mean. Heaven forbid I put them number one and have them there all year. What would be wild is if they lost this series and he kept them there just to piss people off. I, might I think you should. <laughs> Daniel said if they get swept, they're staying. No matter what. Wait, this is your, your past weekend. You do what you want. Uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I will take Mississippi State. Barely. Yeah, give, give me state. I I think Ole Miss takes one. I don't see no sweep or anything. But um, like Randy said, with where they're sitting in the standings, losing this series basically buries you. So in our Twitter space the other night, I picked Ole Miss mainly just because Chad and uh, Lounge were in there. So we're going to see if they're listening to our show. Um, I'm taking Mississippi State just because I think it looks like they're figuring things out a little more. The depth is a little bit more there. They're they're making some moves in their pitching rotation. Um, I do think Ole Miss – I don't think either one of these teams are as bad as their record, though. I think both of them are like just – just. but the margin of error is so slim in the SEC. Uh, I don't think either one of these teams are a real threat or anything in the SEC. I just think this weekend is going to be – one team's going to be completely eliminated and the other one's going to be like hanging on by a thread. I still think Alabama finishes last. If Ole Miss takes care of Alabama when they play them, and then obviously Alabama still got to play uh, LSU and Arkansas, like I feel like there's oh, yeah. still a good chance that they finish at the bottom. We get, we get it right. <laughs> I, I agree. South Carolina at Vandy. Give me the Gamecocks. Oh yeah, me too. I'm going Gamecocks. Well, number one because I hate Vandy, and number two, I think South Carolina announced to the world, regardless of what anybody says. I know there were some LSU fans talking trash. I get all that. But regardless, they proved that they can go toe to toe with anybody. Yeah, I, I, I'm with I'm with both of you. Got to go South Carolina, and it's not like Vandy's a scary, hostile environment. No. Yeah, just annoying. There'll be more people at Mississippi State spring football game for sure. <laughs> Tennessee at Arkansas. Randy, this is a big one. Big one. It's a big one. It's a must win, and I am going to shock the world. Tennessee's sweeping them. Sweep. We're moving around the rotation. The batting, we got Tears is back. We got the young guys playing good. Cal Stark's coming on strong. I think that they're starting to find some things offensively, and pitching-wise, Doe is going to out-duel Hunter Holland. And I, I, 
I think the world of that kid. I think he's awesome. But I think the balls are getting a sweet, baby. I don't think that's going to be the matchup. And well, if it's Beam, I, I like that too. Me too. Me too. Give, give me Tennessee. I, I, I agree with you. I think they're really a, a pitching move away from getting momentum in game one. I think if they can win game one, I think that's all the momentum they need. That is true. That Jim talked about it. That the Friday game is so pivotal because Saturday, Sunday, I I don't care who our starting pitcher is to be honest, because the pin will be the depth matchup there. I like that right now. Arkansas's got some injuries, and all all due respect to Arkansas, that team is really good. They battle, they battle, they battle. I just like Tennessee's depth matchup against. Well, Arkansas. it also depends on if you get to Holland because Hagen was able to be your Saturday starter against Ole Miss because. Um, he wasn't needed in the out of the bullpen, which is where they've moved him. So if you force them to have to use Hagen, if DVH goes that way, then you eliminate their key starter, other starter, because the other guys, uh, McIntyre is just, you know, I mean, he, when you talk about Tennessee's pitching staff, it's not, it's not even a shot at McIntyre. He just doesn't match up to any of them. And then your your third day is, is you know, they, they've been kind of going with a mix of guys. But nonetheless, Tennessee has the advantage no matter who you line up out there. So, um, and and I just feel like Tennessee's back against Wall. There's still half that team, at least, that remembers that was there for the Arkansas thing two years ago. I remember how much LSU told me beating Tennessee meant to them, those guys, um, because they remember two years ago. Yeah. I feel like I feel like Tennessee's going to kind of do the same thing. Like, I feel like they really want to go into Arkansas and prove a point. Um, I'm sure Tony's going to, you know, bring it up. And I think they're, they're going to get right. I'm not going to sweep, obviously, but, I, I, you know, I hate it. We got so many Arkansas guests. And I'm hoping they wait one more week. Brady Brady threw uh, 80 pitches off uh, the rubber at like about 80%. They said he could be ready for this series. I hope he's not because I'd rather not have to see him pitch against Tennessee. Just one more weekend, kid. And, and Give me Blake Burke versus Brady Tiger. That's the matchup we're here to see. That's right. All right, Kentucky at LSU. Kentucky's Man. putting that, that we can skip this one. brutal – RPI. I mean, they're ranked 12th <laughs> yeah. still. Somehow, somehow they lost uh, that series um, and got moved nowhere. And, well, and everybody else, you know, people talk about the rankings, Randy, and people want to have a problem with ours. Somehow, Kentucky can lose a series to somebody not good and not fall at all. Well, I'm, I'm going to make this one easy. We're all picking out a shoot. We are. I just need to be clear on here because I sent y'all the message. Obviously, I would love to put it on social media to show people, but obviously can't put private conversations, but I can share it with you boys. Skeens is pissed about the lightning delay, and he said he's ready for Kentucky. Give my man 14 Ks. I'm going 14. He's had 12 three times this year. I'm going 14. Yeah, that's a that's a complete mismatch. Kentucky's offense, even when they've been winning, they ain't been impressive on offense. Stanford at Oregon. Uh, this is intriguing because Oregon's hot. Stanford's slowly been making their way back up my rankings. So I'll take Stanford. I'm taking Stanford too, just because they don't have an S behind the Cardinal. They're like one of five teams that's not plural. Stanford <laughs> Cardinal. That's right. Yeah, I, I'm taking Stanford as well. Um, but I thought it was worth. I didn't want to pick all SEC. Want to put that on there? It is an intriguing matchup. Thought maybe one of y'all would maybe get a little gutsy and go Oregon, but no, I didn't pick Tennessee for the sweep. That's all the guts I have. 
used them all up. Yeah, it's done. You picked against Wake too. I mean, you got a you got a real set of stones, honestly. I'm pissed about that purple jersey, Jim. <laughs> well, it's time, Randy. It the whole NBA season is now culminated to this point. And, and and before you get started, Daniel, I just gotta say it was it was a blessing, Randy, that you weren't here for Bianco's episode. His yeah. his belief in the in the Lakers and how they're gonna do the Grizzlies this series. And I was really ready because the Timberwolves blew that game. I was really ready to blow up Bianca because he said that the Timberwolves that wasn't even gonna be a game. They were gonna roll them. <laughs> had they lost that one, we would add all the ammo in the world. If Rudy yeah. Gilbert plays, they win by twenty. That's what I said. Yeah, I'm just joking. They might have got COVID, but but he thinks he thinks he's he is all sold in. You know, Daniel said you're believing in that media hype, and he's like, no, I just I believe in the goat. Anyway, he's all <laughs> in on the Lakers. Uh, it's a different era. We try to explain to MJ, and he goes, "That's cool if MJ's your guy." He's like, "Just make sure that LeBron's number two on your list." And that's when Daniel brought up Kobe, and that's when we I was really glad you weren't there because he was like, "Kobe's not basically in the conversation of top five. What he said? Yeah, it. he said it. Oh, Drew. Drew, I see why your dad didn't want you to play at Ole Miss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, all right, but anyway, go, continue on to where you're doing. I just so, have to let Randy know what happened. So, Sunday, it's all going down. The Grizzlies are going to host the Lakers. Now, this thing, prior to last night's deciding game on who we're going to play, Randy, there was a lot of, of, uh, a lot of chirping about who – the preferred opponent would be. Before last night's game, who would you have preferred to play? Uh, the Timberwolves, just because the, the the turmoil that they're dealing with, and I, I like the matchup better. But do you not, now that it's the Lakers, do you not appreciate like the upside of playing them and what can happen if you do beat them? Yeah, well, if no, we are, and let me tell you, man, it's um, I do, I I like it because you get to take down LeBron and AD and the Lakers, that whole evil empire thing. Yeah, I was talking about you get all the marquee TV yeah, slots too, right? And you'll get the marquee TV spots. You'll have the best. And I listened to Jeff Van Gundy this morning, and and Jim talks about this a lot. And you wonder these guys are at these games, they're watching these games in person, they're calling these games, and it's like, what are they watching? Because he said. Well, the Grizzlies are just they're really injured. Everybody's hurt on their team. And I'm like, like, I get it that Steven Adams is hurt and, and I wish he wasn't, but I mean, let's let's be real. We we saw last year in the Timberwolves series that Steven Adams couldn't even be on the floor against an athletic big Brandon Clark's your bigger injury. I mean, if it is a huge that's huge. That especially in a series like this. Especially in a series like this. But the youth and let me tell you something, man. Let me tell you something, DB. Let me tell you something. Kenny Lofton Jr., he about to put that big body on AD. You don't want to see them problems, bro. Big, I mean, big, big body Roddy, we about to outweigh these boys, like, a lot. What about Xavier Tillman? Don't, don't. I, what, I, what, I'm, what I'm ready for is Dylan the villain. You you expected him to talk. LeBron's going to get his no matter what, but I, I'm looking forward to the challenge of him slowing him down and pestering him and pissing him off. Hopefully he just doesn't get in foul trouble too early. The key to the series is does Dylan the villain do that or does Dylan the villain do what he did in the Warrior series and just shoot the rock like he's Steph Curry? You can't 
let them get baited into that. This is what I know, though. The Grizzlies' defense is actually one of the best in the NBA. They're not getting the credit for that, but you have what who what should be the defensive player of the year. That's the key. Can Jaron Jackson Jr. stay on the floor? I know that Jaha Moran has been saying all the right things since he came back. He's been, you know, the this is their Jaron and Desmond's team and all that. Let me tell you something, Ja, because I know you listen to our show, Ja. We need you to be king ding-a-ling, baby. There's nobody on that roster that can guard you. LeBron, AD, nobody can stay in front of you. You got to go in there and get AD in foul trouble by driving to the rock because they don't have a punisher inside. Where Ja and them get hurt is when he drives to the rack and they hard foul or whatever it is, make them think twice. Who on the Lakers is doing that, Jim? Ain't nobody. Exactly. My, my biggest fear is what Jeff Calkins talked about today. Um, the Lakers lead the league in foul differential. And it, it showed last night when LeBron asked for something, he would get it. Um, and that's what fears me on the two guys getting in foul trouble. When you talk about Brooks and Jackson, when they're when they're covering Davis and LeBron, are they going to give those superstars the bullshit calls that can change the outcome of the game? Well, you know they will. And let me ask you a question, Jim. Let me ask you first. Have you ever seen LeBron when he drives into the paint with his shoulder down ever get charged for the with a charge? Like ever, ever. No. He just runs in there with his shoulder down. He's bigger than everybody almost. And he throws it up, and it's an and one. He's putting the crown on, and it's never a charge. Meanwhile, you can get jog get murdered sometimes. Yeah, and no yeah. foul. Yeah, it, I'm with you on the referee thing. Foul differential because you got LeBron who's going to be talking to the refs the whole time. I, I, and AD's. That's get what they said. Calls. They said they said John Martin said because he was on with him. He goes, if they lose game one, I could see LeBron immediately making it in the oh. media known. His 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 disdain with them, and then the refs will take note of that. And actually, instead of you know uh, being mad about it, they'll give him what he wants because he's LeBron. I agree. Let me. I said that it's the key to the series was Lofton. I'm kind of joking. The key to the series, as always, for me, is going to be Desmond Bain and Tyus Jones. And Jaws got to get his. Jaron's going to get his. But I think everybody's saying that that AD nobody on the Grizzlies can guard him. I don't think that's true. If anybody can guard him, it is Jaron Jackson Jr. because they're built similarly. I'm not saying Jaron's as good as AD, but if Desmond does what Desmond has been known to do against the Lakers and get in LeBron's head and get him talking and you gonna respect me and all this other stuff, man, this thing could go. I mean, we could be talking just a four or five game series. The Grizzlies are better than the Lakers. I, it's a shame. It's a shame you can't guarantee a four game sweep, Randy, because Lizzo's going to have to reschedule her concert because Game Five got put at the same night and time as it. Poor Lizzo. Damn, Lizzo. I can't wait. Who is it? Is it Katie? No, is it Katie? Not Katie Perry. Who's the? There's a singer that's a big Lakers fan. She's always sitting courtside, and she called the Grizzlies the nastiest team in the NBA. Who is that? I can't think of who it is. But. I know. While he's thinking, Dan, let me ask you this question. Do you like the the whole – basically – Halsey. There you go. Everybody outside of Memphis is is sleeping on them. Do you do you like this almost – as you're the you're the two seed, but somehow the underdog. Do you, I don't, do you I like don't, this? I don't, I, I don't even think it's sleeping. I think it's borderline disrespect. And so do you like you like that because I you love think Memphis this. is gonna be fired up. Yeah. This is where Memphis thrives. Hey, let me ask a more important question, Daniel. Are you gonna watch any of these games? Yeah, these because I'm gonna get two weekend games for sure. Okay. But the problem but the problem I get is, I got a three o'clock Sunday game. I'm the, definitely the watching the weeknight that games. They said they are going to uh do them in favor of the folks on the West Coast, so they're gonna mess with you on the East Coast for sure. I mean, that's that's fine. That's fine. They I just mean, better gotta, win. If you got to stay up, they better win, right? Right, right. 
I think, you know, talking about the key guy, I think Dylan Brooks is, is the key guy. I think they're going to, like, he's going to be what he is defensively, regardless of, of who they play. I think he's going to be taking it up a notch a little bit just because of the, the playoffs and it's the Lakers. But I think he's going to have to shoot the ball. I think they're going to just basically dare him to shoot the ball, and he's going to have to make some shots in order for this thing to But take the shots that are given to you. Don't get triggered. Yeah. You see him take the bad shots, and it's like then you're like, what are you doing, Dylan? Yeah, if you're open, take a shot. Don't fucking – don't take a shot when Luke Kennard's wide open. Well, like, well, don't, well, don't do well, that. Well, before we move on, who pick this? Who's from each of y'all? Who's your ultimate X factor? Luke Kennard, Dylan Brooks. So you're going Dylan. I like both. Of them. I mean, both of them could absolutely, if they, if they do what they're supposed to do, could be game changing. All right, Clips and Suns, Jim. Your boy is is going to be standing face to face, toe to toe, in a different jersey with a. Fully loaded now, Suns roster with Kevin Durant. How does that make you feel? Um, I mean, I'm honestly pissed off. I text y'all in real time. I don't know why you wouldn't set yourself up with the Kings, a team that has no postseason experience. Um, Drew sat there and told me and you that he liked it. You know, you're going to have to beat them at some point anyway. Here's what Drew's not paying attention to. Paul George is projected to not be ready till if they make it to the second round. So, no, I don't want the Suns in the first round because we don't have Paul George. I'm actually scared that this is, series is going to be lopsided because you don't have Paul George. Kawhi, even if Russ plays great and Kawhi plays great, who – I mean, I've been watching. They have other guys. That's not what I'm saying. But I don't know that they have enough guys to match the star power that is on Phoenix. So, I don't know why they they won that game and put themselves in this position. I do like the drama of KD against Russ, but I just – I don't feel good about this for the Clippers even a little bit. Well, how would you feel if I told you Chris Paul was probably going to get hurt and hit <laughs> most of the season? But doesn't he not usually do that to like the second or third round? Yeah, that's round usually yet? like the yeah. second yeah. round. Y'all, hopefully y'all are the ones that get that later on. Memphis yeah. will be the beneficiaries of that but in the second round. But, no, I just I – I don't feel good about it. I'd feel better if Paul George – I mean, Russ is – if in order for them to really win, like it's not because I'm a Russ guy, Russ is going to have to turn it back. He's gonna have to have that game that he had in Memphis the other night. You know, he's gonna have to be highly efficient, he's gonna have to be distributing the ball. Um, but I just I don't know. And Kawhi's gonna have to be otherworldly. And I just I just don't know that I mean, even if they are, does that match, you know, Durant Booker and Paul? No, I don't think so. Randy, when you look at, at the Suns now that are they to be feared? Absolutely. I mean, have they he always said that yet? about Kevin. And he's no, he said that from day one. A team with Kevin Durant on it is to be feared. Yeah, because you look at what now you put him with Book, and you can he doesn't have to be that guy all the time. And nobody even talks about this, but DeAndre Ayton is a really freaking good big man. And there's nobody on the Clippers that can really contend with him when he's playing well. The key is are the are the Suns going to do enough to get him in? to the rotation because he's a lot better when he's involved. He's a lot better. But defensively, I think that the Suns are a team that can slow Russ down because Aiden's such a big body that when Russ is running at him, they're going to force Russ to shoot. And, and, and look, Russ can make shots. We saw him make shots against the Grizzlies, all of them. But 
Can he do that over? Can Rocco make five threes also? <laughs> I, I, that's what I don't know. You know, and, and like Jim said, look, the Clippers got some dudes, and if Kawhi, and we've seen it before, Kawhi's captured Magic, put teams on his back, and absolutely drugged them through the playoffs. But I just don't know that they, like Jim said, they don't have the firepower to keep up with the offensive firepower of the Sun because they're going to score. They're going to score, and they're scoring bunches. I, I mean, I'm going to pick against. I'm I'm hoping I'm wrong, Daniel. But I'm literally saying uh, Suns and five. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I'm going to say Suns and six. I'm going to say Suns and four. Whoa. I had a feeling he was actually going to go there. I, I Looking at the pieces, you're right. Like, it's, it's when you, if you, like, like if you take, one for one, like you just have too too much. It's just too much when you lay it all out there. And, and when the, and when the Clippers go home, Daniel, and the Warriors end up knocking off the Kings, they're gonna think about how that could have been them. Yeah, that was really dumb. I don't know what they were thinking with that. <laughs> and hey, what a draw for the Kings! You you finally make the postseason, right? You get the Warriors. Good luck. <laughs> Congratulations. I mean, why would? Do you think people are? I think the Kings are, are a team that people are sleeping on, but I do too. But, 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 but think about I, they don't the play defense. Well, no, the reason why I'm not it's not sleeping on them. I think about how the Grizzlies and that young nucleus, their first postseason experience. You know, it, you know, it get, they get a little tight. Is it, they're new to it. The Kings have never been here before. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't care how they did in the regular season. It's a whole different animal. And when you got veterans like Kawhi Leonard and Russell Westbrook, I I feel better about that so you know that i and when you look at the warriors specifically it's not sleep that's definitely not sleeping on the kings we just know what they can do that's i mean that's the one team you you're the one that says it all the time you're the champ until beaten right they are the champ that's not the team you want to play no not not at all but, not but, first round i want them just not in the first round yeah no the grizz have a chance the way it lines up is they can go like full revenge tour on anybody who's pissed them off yeah it's going to be tough, though, man. I mean, you, yeah. it's, the Suns are going to be really tough. I mean, but, I, I mean, everybody that I've listened to, like on ESPN, Jeff Van Gundy did say the Lakers were the underdog, but he he said he thinks the Grizzlies are going to win. <coughs> Excuse me. But I think everybody else is sleeping on them. Uh, I'll end with this, and then we, we can go around the horn because I know we got to push it. Look, would it be, guys, would it be the greatest run ever, not just for Memphis, obviously, but, like, when you think about this, if they went through LeBron and AD – and then in the second round, let's say the, the Warriors did, they got the revenge on them, and you went through Curry and Clay. Then you went through the number one seed, like I said, assuming everything goes, Denver, who's just been money all year, and then you were to beat a Boston or Milwaukee. But, I mean, when you look at that road, it would be the – to me, it would be like the greatest run you could possibly make. No, I agree. Yeah, it would be tough to argue. All right, let's put a ball on this thing around the horn. Last call, Jim, what you got? All right, man. So, Randy, I don't know if you're going to tune in. I know Daniel is. No, he may be at work. It's actually it's actually during the day. It'll be 3 o'clock Eastern your time, uh, Daniel. But uh, the first grouping of four in the uh, in the Elite Eight will feature LSU. And uh, they'll be it's taking place in Denver again. And anyways, K.J. Johnson's back. And we got Alana Shinikova. And then we got the biggest cheerleader this year, Kaya Johnson, who we love. 
Um, and LSU taking a taking a chance to uh to make that final four and compete for a national championships weekend. So rooting them on, and then Shay Campbell, who was the guest of ours, is in the second set with UCLA. And um, you know, she's a she's a Pac-12 uh first team this year. She's done everything she's supposed to do, and so um, we're rooting. Hopefully, both those teams can be in the final four, and we'll have a fifty percent shot of having a guest ho- hoisting a trophy. Let's go. Let's go, Randy. Last call. You gonna what? You gonna talk? Cavender twins getting out of Miami. How did you know, man? Those girls. How about that business model, ladies? If you want a business model, you follow their business model. One of them is a really good baller. They have capitalized and made the most money of any NIL deal. Female, it don't even matter. Them girls are cashing in. Shout out Cavender twins. Hope you whatever the next move is. I'll well, be and, and since we went there, shout out Angel Reese from going from being worth three hundred and whatever thousand dollars to being one point three million f- since the start of the NCAA tournament. Shout out Angel! Wow. Anything else? You guys good? Ready to? Are the Cardinals ever going to start winning some Major League Baseball games? They game? won two in a row. They won. They're two. on a roll. Yeah, they, they're on a roll. That's uh, like what five and twelve now. <laughs> five and seven. Hey, <laughs> it felt like they lost the first 10 games, though. I swear to God. Rays won again tonight. Is that 12 and 0? 12 and 0. 12 and 0. I mean, just, hey, Miami Dolphins you're, better be you're, watching. You're, you're peaking too early, bro. You're peaking too early. The Dolphins no, better is, be getting that champagne. This is what they have to do in that division, dude. They have to get out to a lead. It doesn't matter. None of them are beating the Angels. You know how it is. Oh, Lord. <laughs> All right. That's a good place to end it. I want to thank our guest tonight, Trey Richardson, for joining us. If you like hearing Trey's story or you just like hearing us average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, feedback, thumbs up, hearts, hugs, love. We'll take it all. And we'll see everybody next week. We've got episode 27 coming at you. We're going to travel to Starkville. Hopefully, Lane Forsythe is going to be our guest. And, and we're going we're gonna to talk about this upcoming series this weekend uh, with Mississippi State against Ole Miss. You don't want to miss it. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We are out.